at the understanding that life is not going to take you back, you are the world you have created. And when you cease to exist, this world that you have created will also cease to exist. But those with the understanding that they're living the last days of the world, death acquires a different meaning. The extinction of all reality is a concept no resignation can encompass. And then all the grand designs and all the grand plans will finally be exposed and revealed for what they are. And now, counselor, I have to go because I have to make other calls. If I have time, I think I'll take a small nap. Bolo! Please welcome the wickedly talented one and only Adele Fuzzy. There's a mistake. Moonlight. Best picture. I was desperately I was desperately trying to look up a quote from Tough Guys Don't Dance. Oh, fantastic. There, but I couldn't find one, so I just said bolo. No, no, that's a good one. This is very similar to Tough Guys That Don't Dance. Mr. Regency and I make out five times a night. That's why I call him Mr. Five. That is kind of the opening of this movie. Yeah, there, yeah it kind of is. <laughs> All right. Uh, good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Retrospectives. This is Failed Award Contender, Season 2, Episode 3, Ridley Scott's The Counselor. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Matt Garingo. Hey. Hey, when you say counselor, do you think of uh, um, the fucking Scorsese remake of Cape Fear? Uh, no, but now I, I do a little bit, yeah. <laughs> counselor. He's like always yelling that at him. <laughs> You're well within your 500 yards. And they're punching each other on the boat. <laughs> That's what a, a wild film. movie. That is a wild movie. More people should talk about it. Spielberg almost did it. That's also fucking wild. Oh, yeah, Spielberg him and, him was and Scorsese do it. traded, right? Yeah, him and Scorsese traded. And they traded. Uh, Scorsese got Cape Fear and Spielberg got Schindler's List. So, worked Yeah, out. that probably worked out for the best. Yeah, it worked out for the better. <laughs> Because yeah. I cannot imagine a Spielberg version of Cape Fear. Um, but, hey. What about a Spielberg version of The Counselor? Absolutely not. Yeah, I don't even know what that would look like. I think putting Spielberg and Cormac McCarthy like together would just destroy the universe. <laughs> like It just creates like some sort of singularity that just destroys everything. Matt, how do we talk about this movie? <laughs> Um, we don't. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye, Jonathan Demi. <laughs> Goodbye, Judy Foster. Um, um, so, The Counselor, directed by Ridley Scott. It is a 2013 crime thriller written by Cormac McCarthy. It is also the rare Cormac McCarthy attempt at an adaptation that is not based on a book. Mm-hmm. Is it the only one? I think it is the only one. I mean, there's he, he's had plays adapted as well, um, like the Sunset Limited. Yep. Yeah, uh, in the movies? Um, it was a TV movie. Oh, that counts. That counts. Um, so there's that. Hmm. Uh, but hey, uh, so he, he did a. You know what? He. No, no, never mind. I, I thought there was something called the Gardener's Son, but um. He didn't. Uh, he didn't direct, or he didn't uh, make it to a movie. No mm-hmm. one made it into a film. It was just. It was just a screenplay for a while. Yeah. 
But then I think yeah. there's a television version of it. Something called Visions? Sure. Oh, it's like... Okay, okay. So, uh, it's it, Visions was a 90-minute American television weekly anthology series. Can you imagine? The 70s. Like, Cormac McCarthy, it's like, he's too fucking hot for television. <laughs> and it's like... I mean, too hot for movies. Like, you can't adapt his shit. But, like, he's been adapted to television, like, twice now. Imagine flipping through the channels... <laughs> And just stumbling across the Sunset Limited. Now, oh my god, it starred Ned Beatty. Hey, maybe we'll have to check that out at some point. Yeah. Oh my god. 70s Look, Ned Beatty undefeated. Actor. Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> kind of oh like god. one of the great runs of an actor. I think he did it the same fucking year he did Superman, the movie. Oh my god. It's between Network and Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Wild. Wow. Because this uh, thing where he goes directly from being, uh, what's, he's Arthur Jensen, right, in that work, yelling man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's immediately, like, two years later, he's like, sorry, Mr. Luthor. Like, he's bumbling, like, <laughs> idiotic Otis. And it's just like, damn, that's some range. <laughs> that <laughs> like... is. And, you know, I, I think, I don't even put this on actors. I think some actors try to protect their, like, brand and personality. Mm-hmm. But, like, a lot of, like, producers and agents and stuff like that, they don't want people to, like, expand from what they're known for mm-hmm. and you just can't have that mentality because otherwise you don't become that baby <laughs> yeah you know well that like, to me is like a, a perfect career where it's just like he's just a terrific character actor in everything yeah like he's amazing i mean he's like in all the president's men for like two scenes and it's all he is is like trying to stop one of them from like going into an office like that's basically his whole scene Listen to me, like, I'm sorry, I'm too busy to talk to you. And it's, like, great shit. <laughs> like... He is also United States Senator Charles F. Meacham in the 2007 hit film Shooter, directed by Anton Fuqua. I have a friend who imitates him from that movie specifically. <laughs> that is, that's that's a, a wild, specific choice. I'm Why? trying to remember the line he always does where he's like, are you going to shoot a United States Senator? <laughs> like... Some insane thing like that. Yeah. That movie is the greatest liberal bullshit ever. I right love on. Shooter. And I don't know what that means. I almost saw Shooter once. It is. Well, it's like, it's wildly conservative, but it's also like, it, libertarian, I guess. Libertarian okay. is probably the, the proper term. <laughs> um, I'm obsessed with it. It's so much fucking fun. It's the perfect TNT movie. <laughs> It's great garbage. Uh, Mark Wahlberg's finest performance. It's so violent. <laughs> um, I, I do remember that. It's so fucking there. violent. <laughs> and we're going to talk about violence today, uh, talking about The Counselor. I forget, we're, we're doing the, the, the extended cut, right? The unrated, whatever? Yes, I watched the extended cut, which... Okay, uh, yeah, me too. I have only watched this film a few times. Um, did you see it in theaters? I have a fuck no. <laughs> Guess what? I did. Whoa. And I saw it with my grandfather. Oh my God. (laughs) It was an experience. Um, But I mostly remember the seeing it with my grandfather. And um, every time I sit down to rewatch it, because I own the extended cut, I'm always like, I don't remember this, but this seems to be a lot of stuff to put back in. And there's only, the, the extended cut's only like 20 minutes longer. And it's all front-loaded stuff, so I was like, it, this can't be all additional stuff. And then I looked it up, and it turns out, oh yeah, it was all additional stuff. <laughs> Mainly, this like it, it seems to cut like 20 minutes from like the first chunk of the movie, and then like the second half plays out mostly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but have you only seen the extended cut? No, no, I've seen both, and I, I honestly like both, but the, mm. the extended one is, is the way to go. Yeah, the extended one, it, it kind of, it has a better better rhythm, you know? Yeah. I think the theatrical cut wanted to get to the actual crime stuff quickly, mm-hmm. whereas the other one is kind of like, you get into the groove of like, oh, this isn't really like a crime film, you know? Yeah. Like, it's 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 different. Um, and then the crime is just kind of something that happens towards the end and then the rest of it is just like the fallout of it you know yeah. <laughs> like, um but is is the crime also the release of the film um i guess that's it made money oh my what yeah 25 million dollar budget made 70 million at the box office you know i never would have expected i assumed it was a bomb i assumed too and then it was like oh hey it made money Because this is a film that just would not ever get released ever again. Like, no one would release a movie like this in theaters. Yeah, no. Like, this would never get made. (laughs) I... Alright, let's let's dial back a little bit. But let's see, how much did No Country make? Because that's what they were shooting for. No Country for Old old Men made... uh, $171 Yeah, I was gonna say two hundred million, so that's pretty good. So it's um, they, well, same budget for both movies, by the way. No and, way. Yeah, same budget, and so the counselor grossed about a hundred million less than they wanted, but hey, yeah. it still made money. Yeah, well, you know, it is the failed award contender, so that. Well, this is that is so. All right, um, before we get into like what the fuck this thing is. <laughs> Um, do you remember the marketing for this movie? I kind of do, but like in passing, like I just remember like, oh, Ridley Scott's got a new, new movie coming out. Like he's kind of been on a missing streak for me for a while. I didn't like Prometheus at this point. Mm-hmm. This is the movie he does after Prometheus, like immediately yeah. after, which is fucking just kind of like, wild. Yeah. Like this dude, is a weird what? period for him because he makes like five bad movies in the counselor. <laughs> No, well, he made uh, Prometheus, which took everyone a minute to get to. He made Prometheus, uh, which is bad and remains bad. And it's so um, good. Um, and it's it's such garbage. <laughs> and I, I am at a loss that like. Well, any, here, here, here. Let's 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 take a look back because this is this would is try to reclaim it. It's a new um, century, right? So yeah. let's let's kick it off at the top. Gladiator, which All right. I which like. Kind of the. This is that's the movie where it's like really this guy can now do whatever he wants for twenty years. <laughs> yeah, and then twenty years later he has to do Gladiator two. Um, which is he doing Gladiator two? Yeah, you I saw that, that was like announced, but like I was kind of like that doesn't. What does that mean? Yeah, well, it's gonna be like another Gladiator story instead of the fucking insane yeah that insane cave script, script where it's like he's you like can read it online. Yeah. I'm gonna link it in the show notes for this episode because it's related to Ridley Scott. Please read it if you have never read it before. Mm. Holy shit! Um, mm. <laughs> uh, All right, here's, I'll, here's, I'll say this: the subtitle is gonna be Christ Killer. Great. Yes. Um, here's all right. Here's something. Um, I pull a gun on you. <laughs> okay. And I go. All right. You have to make a choice. Um, Prome- we we get a new universe where Prometheus doesn't get made, but in its place, that crazy version of Gladiator gets made. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Like, do I have to choose between Prometheus and that? Yeah. Oh, that's hard. I don't know. <laughs> I think I it's know. a pretty obvious one, frankly. <laughs> no, because, like, Prometheus and Covenant are, like, 
they're such pivotal movies for me at this point in my movie loving because you you, you era. aim on being a terrible filmmaker <laughs> i guess so yeah <laughs> i i think i have to be because no one else is going to pick up the mantle yeah um no here you don't make prometheus because it's bad <laughs> And then Prometheus doesn't get made, and then At the Mountains of Madness by Guillermo del Toro gets made. Oh, shit. That's right. Gotta consider the butterfly effect. I know, I know. Um... And then maybe that bombs, you know, because it probably would. And then really Scott doesn't get to make Exodus, Gods and Kings, which I think the universe would be better for, frankly. And then he does Prometheus later. You're right, you're right. No, no, he never does Prometheus. They, they, they stopped. Someone rightfully was like, you know what? Let's get out while the getting's good and never make an Alien movie after Alien 3. And it's just never touched. And, like, people are like, wow, you know, it's like a money, you know, like, there's just money to be made there. And then there's one guy... So one hero, sometimes there's a hero <laughs> who gets to say whether or not it happens. He's just like, no. And he's like, we're diluting this product if we keep doing it. It, it, is, it would be a bad idea to keep making these. But we can make an original science fiction film from the director of Alien. That's what we'll put on the poster. And you can do that. Stop touching Alien. <laughs> You fucks. <laughs> well, they're doing another one. I know. Here's the I when that comes out, like, I just want people to know, like, I, I have nothing my beef with Prometheus and Alien Covenant has nothing to do with Ridley Scott. Like, I don't <laughs> want any more alien shit. Like, I am done. I I don't like there isn't some there isn't me going being like, yeah, but if you gave it to who's someone that they would give it to that's like a good filmmaker. Like, uh, my vote recently has been for Lynn Ramsey. Yeah, and like, if, she doesn't want to do any Hollywood stuff, I, but, I, yeah. like, that's the one. But, like, if I was like, yeah, but they gave it to Lynn Ramsey, they'd get it. No. Like, I'm, there's not that. I don't have that in the back of my brain. I'm like, stop with Alien. Alien really should have been one movie. It's just insane that Aliens happened to also be a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, that is, like, what kills, that's the death of culture right there. Like, if, if James Cameron, that bastard... They had to make a good movie. <laughs> and then it's like tricked all these executives into being like, yeah, franchises, toys, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, he kind of has the George Lucas effect, and this this will tie into Ridley Scott eventually, too. Like, I'm talking about James Cameron right now. Where yeah, it's yeah. like, well, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, they make these big hits. They change Hollywood because they're so talented. Mm. And then everyone follows suit. And it's like, no, no, no. You have to be that talented to do the things they did. And yeah. no one ever catches on. So then they also get the brunt of the blame. When culture turns toxic and sour, well, they get what they their argument is. Yeah, we but we gave it to a talented guy for Alien Three. Like we didn't know it at the time, but we get and he and he fucked it all up. And it's like, yeah, but you guys like were fucking with him from the start. And he's like, don't bring that up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know. And it's like I love Alien Three, but it's like imagine like the untouched version of that. (laughs) Like, which I don't know. Maybe if there is an untouched version of Alien Three, that would work that like maybe i would feel differently but to me it's like alien 3 is one of those where like i like it even though it is like it's like it's a totally like compromised movie even the Mm -hmm. best cut of it and then then there was never another good alien thing ever made after that so and then i'm on my cosmic brain shit because now i'm like just i'm like levitating and i'm like all the aliens are good now no 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 you are in a uh, barrel submerged in shit (laughs) (laughs) is what you are Because, holy God, Alien 
Resurrection is like a wet fart of a that's, movie. That's a fun movie. Yeah. No, it's not. Jean-Pierre Genet, come back to me. Uh, Joss Whedon. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't say that. <laughs> you put that fucking Walmart joke in that movie. We should have known then. We should have known. We really should have. That is like the worst line. That is like the worst. Like that is the death of humanity. That's the heat death of the universe. Like Cormac McCarthy heard that line and was like, Jesus Christ. Like it really, I'm gonna write really Blood is. Meridian. Now. Yeah, this really is it. Like he went back in time and gave his younger self a manuscript copy of Blood Meridian after seeing Alien Resurrection. And that might explain why the following two alien films are so fucking bleak. Like it's well, just yeah, even, let's talk, even let's Ridley talk some... even Ridley Scott was like, "Fuck this." Well, let's talk but... some more about Ridley Scott because, mm. like I mentioned, Gladiator, Hannibal, which you like, yeah, Black Hawk Down, which, which is not like, like a good movie, but I do like it. Yeah, um, uh, Sick Men, which has a weird like underground fan base that i haven't I, like really you know what i have not into. watched mash stick men in about a decade and i couldn't tell you a thing about it honestly kingdom of heaven which has a great extended cut yep which, which we talked, talked about, about last year uh a good, good year. year which is a movie that's like not real like, it, it's a movie that him and those people made because they're like hey i got a second home in italy let's just yeah, make a movie like, here we have to launder a shit ton of money who can we get get me ridley scott yeah and you know what Minus the the business executives clearly money like money laundering through that movie. If I had a house in Italy, which I never will, because uh, mm-hmm. I'll never be as rich as Ridley Scott, I would also be like, let's just fucking shoot a movie down the street from where I live. Like, well, that's like uh, who produced Castle Freak? Um, whoever that guy was produced the movie. Stuart Castle Gordon Freak. and who else? Um, no, produced it. Um, yeah, who, who's his producer? Because it was like the same guy who produced Reanimator, right? Um, yeah, well, it's Fulman Entertainment, and that's Charles Band. There we go. So I think Charles Band owned a castle. <laughs> and was like, Stuart Gordon, I'll give you... You can make a movie, you can make whatever you want, but it has to be called Castle Freak, and it has to be set in a castle, and it has to have a freak in it. And then uh, fucking Stuart Gordon was like, can I adapt an H.P. Lovecraft story? And they were like, fine. And, <laughs> But they're just 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 call it Castle Freak. Like. Uh, American Gangster. Have you seen that? Um, yes. Do you like it? Um, yeah, I love American Gangster. Actually, yeah, it's a good movie. Um, it's really good. People were weird about that when it came out. Yeah, I don't um, know what the fuck that's about, but Denzel rules in it. Uh, mm-hmm. Russell Crowe's great in it. Russell Crowe is the kind of but like Russell Crowe kind of gets like act off the screen by Denzel. Oh sure, like, but it's not it's his Denzel. fault. It's not his fault. Yeah. Like it's just like it's one where like you're they want you to care about both storylines equally, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I don't care about Russell Crowe's storyline, but I'm kind of like anytime Denzel's not on the screen, it's like when Denzel's not on the screen, the audience should be asking, "Where's Denzel?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, then he does Body of Lies and Robin Hood, which everyone was like, "Oh shit, what happened?" Mm-hmm. Because, like, I don't think those are the worst movies ever made, but there is, like, nothing to them. Yeah, they're kind of, like... there's less than anything It them. feels like Ridley Scott, oddly, like, going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes Prometheus, which is just him remaking Alien. No, but, it's not. Uh, uh, yeah, but he, uh, but he made it more long-winded and boring and less engaging and full of people you hate. I'm gonna um, redo the Alien retrospective. It was kind of like, um, it was kind of like, what's that movie, The Five Obstructions, <laughs> where they they remade that movie five times, 
And he was like, what if I remade Alien, but, like, did, like, all this insane shit that made it impossible to be good? And then it was like, well, it's not good, but it is a movie. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, and then he comes back with the counselor. And I think people are assuming by this point, like, all right, is really Scott, like, just... Is he gonna, like, fizzle out? Mm. Because people fucking hate, hated this movie, and they still kind of hate this movie. I don't know. Letterbox loves it. Cause it's Letterbox, Letterbox loves it, but... Although yeah. one of the top reviews is, like, a half-star review, I think, from the year it came out, so... You know, that that does make sense, though. Mm. Like, because what the fuck do you even do with this movie? <laughs> well, I, I will say, like, it is one of those where, like, I think the theatrical cut, which is fine, it is a little bit, like... It feels like the movie doesn't know what it's doing <laughs> a little mm. bit. Where like it was one of those where like I remember liking it, but also being like, yeah, but it's not perfect. Whereas the director's cut, it's like, oh, this is a more like cohesive film. I feel mm. like some more people have seen the unrated. I don't even know. It's not director's cut. It's unrated extended cut, right? Like, yeah, it's like one of those weird things. Inexplicable. Like all these movies, by the way, that we talked about, all have unrated extended cuts or director's cuts. Except Prometheus, the one most in need of some fucking editing. I would agree so. with that, and it's so funny. I think that came up on the original retrospective, and like that's a note people still have about it, where it's like, mm. how come that one didn't get it? Like that's my dad's note on Prometheus, which like my, I kept my dad watching Prometheus all the time, <laughs> and he's like, I don't like this movie, but there's a good version in here, and it's in the deleted scenes. And he's so angry about it. Like, <laughs> Isn't that just like the most frustrating shit ever? It's like you can see it. It's like right yeah. there. And it just doesn't cross that line. So like I, the only way I'm ever endorsing Prometheus as a good movie is if that director's cut happens. Makes it but even worse. It, it, it's, <laughs> it, if it's worse, that would even be more interesting <laughs> than the, whatever fucking nonsense that movie is. Um, but hey... Uh, but yeah, but it's more like the follow-up is like Exodus, Gods, and Kings, which is the most like, fuck you. <laughs> like, yeah, that, I was going to bring that up next. People, that that's the one where it's like, all right, really, Scott's he's done. Then he comes back with The Martian, which I like. Uh, don't love, but I like it. And people like are like, all right, The King is back. You know, The Return of the King. This is a great movie. And I'm like, all right, let's calm down. It's good, mm-hmm. but like, calm down. And then I love Alien Covenant. They did Alien Covenant, which his only goal in that movie was not to shoot the alien out of the goddamn airlock again. And he failed fucking miserably. Yeah, but he also and, crushes one of them, so it's fine. Yeah, great. But, uh, yeah, he, he's a failure. Uh, alien Covenant is an absolute failure of a movie. Um, one of the most miserable movie-going experiences of my entire life. And I'm bringing that up in the episode for The Counselor. <laughs> Which is one of the bleakest films ever. I have described it to friends. When I first saw it, finally, it was like Netflix or HBO or something. Um, and I was like, this is the movie people don't like? Like, this is when I'm getting into like the whole vulgar, vulgar auteurism shit, whatever, mm. you know? And I was describing it to some friends. And I was like, I think the movie's challenging me to not like it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's such a hateful, cynical, futile film, mm-hmm. and like the I'll never forget the look on some friends' faces. were like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> like, why would the movie not want you to like it?" And I was like, "Well, I like it's it's hard hitting, but not like in a shallow sense. Maybe a little shallow, but also like satirical." 
I don't know if the movie is a fuck you to the audience. Uh, I mean, I mean, I don't know if it's a it doesn't want you to like it. I think it's a fuck you to the audience is what I meant. <laughs> hmm. Um, because isn't it kind of so like. I'm I'm assuming people have seen this movie. <laughs> they oh, yeah, probably have haven't. See, look, you have to see this movie because we are going to go through the plot gonna... in detail, though. Okay, I have seven pages of notes. Okay, um, but uh, this movie is just the Bolito, right? Yeah, like it's get it gets put around the counselor's neck at the start of it. And we just watch it play out, right? Like we know yeah, exactly yeah. what's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, you know exactly where it's going because and, you know there's and we only just stand one around, way that ends. And we just stand around and watch and then get sprayed with blood. Yeah. Like, that's exactly what this movie is. Yeah, this is a completely, like, just, like, superficial note, but this movie might have the greatest decapitations ever filmed. Like, mm. that are fictional. <laughs> that are fictional. I'm not... I will not give it is, that credit just because it's so, like, miserable. It like, is miserable. And this is, uh, like, the, the the little device, whatever. I'm not, I'm not getting into, like, the, the real life, like, problems with like Mexican cartels and shit like that. Like mm. this is very real, like sensitive, disgusting mm. subject matter. In terms of like the film, it is like they look fantastic because I feel like I need a shower after all of them. Mm. You know? I do wonder why this works for me though, in a way where like Alien Covenant is so insanely bleak and just miserable and full of nothing insightful <laughs> about the human condition. And uh, I watched that movie and, like, I just straight up, like, don't want to watch movies ever again. <laughs> um, and then I watched this, which might have the grimmest image in any Ridley Scott movie, um, which comes towards the end. I think you know what I'm talking about. I My brain just flashed to it. Yeah. It's, like, and it, the last image of the movie, basically, right? Yeah. It's it's close to the end, but it's mm. not, like, the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, but it's also like it's just insane, and also an unnecessary shot. Like you don't even need it in the movie, but it's yep. there. Yep. <laughs> just to be evil about it, and then I finish it, and I'm like, yeah, movies. Yeah, that was like, fucking great. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I don't know what the real difference is. Maybe I just can't take your movie seriously if you're being that grim, but also set in space. Maybe because you know that's that's for children, <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, the counselor, but also the counselor is kind of like, I don't know. It's a little, uh, it's also one of these movies where I feel like this is the movie that's just playing in like every like MAGA head's brain over and over again, <laughs> where they're like, build the wall, build the wall. Like, <laughs> that's just, like they saw the counselor in 2013 and like it broke them. <laughs> that $71 million this movie made was enough to end American democracy. <laughs> Well, it was the one-two punch of this in 2013, and then Sabotage in 2014. Sabotage and uh, Sicario's in there somewhere. Oh, 2015, perfect. Which is the yeah. other one where, like, everyone, like, all right, Sicario is, like, another, like, insanely miserable movie, right? Yeah. Like, and I talked to, uh, you know, um, let's say I have some relatives who are a, more, a little more conservative, and they're like, yeah, Sicario, great movie, great action crime movie it's so violent it's cool <laughs> and i'm just like no <laughs> <laughs> well the the description of it as an action movie alone, like i don't really care for that movie but like the description of it being an action movie alone is like enough to be like wait 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 pump, pump the brakes what do you mean because <laughs> it's yeah. like not that <laughs> um 
Like even I know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a it's a crime drama. It has some thrilling sequences of tension, mm-hmm. but it is not like badass, you know. And I give the movie credit for not leaning into that too much. But what are you talking uh, about? He kills that guy's whole family. Wasn't that badass? What? Wasn't that badass? Yeah, it's super cool to murder children. Yeah. That's that's what it's all about, baby. That's That's honestly, I'm like not joking. That's what like fucking the the MAGA relatives that like live in Florida like think. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Like they they have cited that as being like a cool scene in the movie. That's that's gross. So, yeah. Yeah. That's 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 what you're hey, that's that those are the people Joe Biden's making a play for. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, wake up, Grandpa. Um, yeah. It's not going to help you. Yeah, don't worry, they'll be dead soon. Um, they're all, they're really old, and they're not looking great. That's true. Racism does some shit to the human body. <laughs> Just giving you a heads up, racist out there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that that's how the fuck do we do this? Well, what I was saying, I was I was bringing up the marketing for this movie. Yeah, because it was one of those where they clearly didn't know how to market it. So most of the ads I saw in theaters were just the actors talking to camera about being like, yeah, it's Ridley Scott, you know, fucking Ridley Scott. And Cormac McCarthy, he wrote No Country for Old Men. Like, they're trying to say No Country for Old Men as many times as possible in every ad. To just be like, that's kind of what this is. Mm-hmm. And it did kind of feel like, I mean, it made money, but I do remember feeling like it was under the radar a little bit. And I was kind of surprised. So I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, this is Cormac McCarthy's follow-up to No Country in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's done movies. Like, The Road happens, but The Road was barely released. Yeah. And it was kind of ignored. And I was kind of like, this looks like it's Javier Bardem again in a Cormac McCarthy story. Like, I'm surprised it's not getting talked about more. And then I saw the movie, and I was like, oh, I, now I know why. It's it's not being talked about that much. But um, it was one of those where, like, I liked it, but also I was like... Cameron Diaz fucked a car. I'm never talking about this with my grandfather ever again. <laughs> and we yeah, kind of just it's... drifted away from it. Oh, and uh, No Country for Old Men I also saw with my grandfather. And he went to the bathroom. And the movie ended. <laughs> and he was like, what happened? And I was like, well, he sat down and talked to some lady. You know, it's 2007. I don't know how to describe movies at this point and then the movie just stopped <laughs> well how do you describe this movie um i simply wouldn't be the counselor <laughs> <laughs> uh oh yeah michael fassbender stars as the titular counselor yeah he doesn't have a name right no he's just the he's counselor just the counselor which is a lot like, of that there's a yeah. few like the priest the blonde the buyer, the green hornet. <laughs> uh, there's a wire man. Wire man. What? Guess what he does? You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to get. You, you got to tell me. I don't. I don't know. Well, what he well, does. Yeah, yeah, no, the wire man. Yeah, How am I supposed know? to know that? I mean, he wears a wire, right? Like he's the wire man. He must wear a wire, right? <laughs> That's the obvious thing. That's why he's called the wire man. You you would think so. Yeah, but no, he cuts a dude's head off. Yeah. Um, in a scene that... All right, does any of that, like, make sense? 
Like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. But, like, there's, there's, there's got to be a better way to do what they were doing. <laughs> I mean, probably, but it, it's less cinematic, I guess. No, no, I totally. Like, I get it. <laughs> like, I would, I'd rather watch that sequence than, like, him just getting a gun and shooting the guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, that makes, but also, it's the thing, all right. What does he have in his in his helmet? Um, that's what they're after. Oh, it's like um, it's that the uh, fucking it's some information or something, right? Or is it just money? We're probably overthinking this. Well, there's well because they also there's also the element where they take the wire from the truck, right? So it disables the truck. Yeah. Right, and then they have to get it back. At like like oh like uh, okay, I think I got it. I think the Green Hornet had that cable, had that wire, right? Mm-hmm. So you need that in order to start that vehicle. So if you steal that, then you can steal the vehicle which has the money and the drugs in it, right? Yeah. So I think that's what happened. Um, also, like, what what is in this truck that, like, you can't replace that part? Uh, huh. Well, I don't think it's if that it can't be replaced if, like, on a timetable, right? Am I misremembering well, yeah, that? It's on a timetable, but I'm talking about, like, the like it is disabled specifically for the benefit of the drug cartels, right? Like, yeah. this is their way of being, like, okay, instead of, like, handing over the keys to the vehicle, because you could just hotwire hot the car, you literally hand over the wires to the car, right? It's kind of like right. a, a step ahead. So, but they, they intercept it. That's how the drugs get stolen. Mm-hmm. But, like, like, what, like cars are kind of known for having interchangeable parts. <laughs> Maybe it's just, uh... What the the screenwriters call a a lie? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, also, I was kind of like, well, maybe Cormac McCarthy, who's like the bleakest motherfucker to ever live, like he maybe he just reads shit all the time, and this is something he read, kind of like a uh, fucking black hat, where it's like, hey, the soy prices are too high. <laughs> like, at the yeah, beginning it, it of might that be movie. a very real, very specific thing. That... But then I decided to Google uh, Belito, which is the device in this movie. Mm-hmm. And if you go to Wikipedia, uh, four things come up, which is uh, bolita, uh, the Spanish language word for ball and a type of lottery. Um, bolita misto, which is an Italian cuisine. Um, bolito de carita, which is a black-eyed pea. And then the last one is bolito. A fictional battery-powered decapitation device that appears in the 2013 Ridley Scott film *The Counselor*. <laughs> so, it might just be shit Cormac McCarthy made up. It it could be because there's also a little bit of that with *No Country for Old Men*, a movie I love. You mm-hmm. know, oh, like the silent shotgun and shit like the that. silent shotgun, and also the the air compressor thing that he uses to break all the locks. You know. Like, there's some logic to it, but there's also, like, a, is he really walking around with that all day? <laughs> but also, like, Anton Chigurh is, like, not human, so, like, it, mm. don't, it don't matter. Like, um, but, hey. That's the thing, I think that's the mistake. I think that's the mistake the theatrical cut kind of makes where it tries to make it a more conventional crime film. And the crime elements really don't matter. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's not a 
A happens, so B happens, so C happens type movie. You know, yeah, which you, know, you might have some, uh, something there with like the lack of, I guess, commercial elements in the film that we're talking about before recording. Like, there, there's no real like, you're not going to get thrills from a Cormac McCarthy adaptation. You know, yeah, like No Country for Old Men's about the closest you're going to get, and even then, it's like. I remember a lot of the, the complaints I did hear about it at the time, which weren't many, mm-hmm. but were people that were like, oh, that's it? It just ends like that? Mm-hmm. You know, there's no big showdown or whatever? And it's yeah. like, no, there's not, because it's not about that. It's not it's not that type of movie. It's not the type of story. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't approach this the same way either. Which sounds very pretentious, but so is Cormac McCarthy. So whatever. I do remember a lot of people being like, no country for old men. They really fumbled the ending. Like, I do remember people being like that. And again, I saw that movie the year it came out. It's 2007 version of me. Like, who's a fucking idiot as opposed to now who's still a fucking idiot. But, like, just imagine a dumber version. And even then I was like, I don't know what the ending's going for, but I'm clearly supposed to be getting something from it. Like, I at least (laughs) understood it on that level, right? Yeah. I didn't go, like, cinema sin, ding. (laughs) You're supposed to have a shootout in the ending. (laughs) Uh, just that this movie ended with like a big like the counselor's going back for revenge <laughs> the counselor will return yes <laughs> but, the uh, counselor versus no country for old men <laughs> <laughs> and then you get the oh. third one the counselor on the road mm. which is just the road so it's like apocalypse and it's like yeah. I'm the counselor I cannot die this is my curse yeah. on the road <laughs> My curse is to counsel everyone. <laughs> uh, how good is Michael Fassbender as the counselor? Um, I mean, he does his job. He's kind of the, the least interesting person in the movie. Oh, he's the interesting actor, I guess I'll say, in the movie. He's kind of um, the vessel which we explore everything through. <laughs> you could have just stopped as he's sort of the least interesting actor. <laughs> So I'm not a big. I, I think I've made this point clear. I'm not a big Fassbender fan. Um, yes, yes, you have. And uh, I'm looking at his filmography currently, and I'm like, yeah, not much here that I I care for. <laughs> no, he's gonna be in the new David Fincher movie. Oh boy! Now I can already skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David Fincher might be uh, winding down a little bit. Oh no! But Mank. Yeah. Mank. Manked it all up. Oh. Everyone. It's manking time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but remember when he played Steve Jobs? Oh yeah, in that bad film. That'll never come up again. Um mm. anyway. <laughs> um when he played some fucking shitty robot named David, uh, in some shitty movie no one remembers. Um but Oh, he I was in Assassin's Creed. I think he's terrific as David. Yeah, people do for some reason. Yeah, because he's good it's in it. One of the least engaging performances of all time in a very boring but depressing movie. No, he's great. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, one of the greatest know, characters in cinema history. That's truly insane. <laughs> that is truly like never touch a pen or paper ever again. <laughs> Statement. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know who is actually 
phenomenal in this, in my opinion. I don't know how you're going to feel about it. Javier Bardem. Uh, well, y- yes, because he's doing some fucking wild shit. When he's like, when you take a girl dancing, like starts like hunching on the floor. Yeah, I don't I don't know what that was. He's like making gorilla motions and shit. Yeah, that's what dancing is. Yeah. It's like, all right. What happened there? <laughs> um, was his one condition? Was his one condition? <laughs> I have to have more ridiculous hair than No Country for Old Men. <laughs> I'll say the one thing that also makes this movie kind of off-putting in a way I really love is that Ridley Scott doesn't really have this energy with his other movies. Yeah, he doesn't. Like, for for better or worse, like <laughs> this is fucking goofy shit. Like we're just talking about. It's but I was goofy, say, and it's a lot of scenes of people being like. Hey, welcome to my club. Hey, let me tell you this long story <laughs> about this friend I had. It's like, ah, that might be relevant. I don't know. But <laughs> all right, bye. <laughs> like... But I was going to say, the person who's fantastic in this mm. is Cameron Diaz. I think she is great in this mm. movie. Um, I don't know, honestly. And okay. it's nothing... <laughs> Not against, like, I'm not here going to be here like, fuck Cameron Diaz. Like, I have no take like that. I thought Cameron Diaz was a good actress. It's a shame that she kind of got done with the industry. Yeah. Um, specifically, like, a year after this movie came out. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if this had anything to do with that. Yeah. Cameron, if you're listening to this, you're fantastic. I hope you're enjoying retirement. It says she's back. Oh, never mind. Um, good, congratulations. Good luck. Yeah. She's uh she's interesting. She's an interesting actress. Um and I think she's one of those where like she was such a like it girl for a minute that no one took her seriously as an actress, but she's given good performances. Yeah, like in this movie. Um yeah, well, it's it's such an odd character is the only thing I'm bumping up against, you know. No, no. It so that fucking is. Um it's... I know you want to do this scene by scene, but mm-hmm. I have to bring it up because I just brought her up. Uh, the much discussed, controversial car fucking scene, mm-hmm. the windshield scene. People were like, "Why the fuck is this happening in this movie? Oh, it's so goofy. Really, Scott's out of his mind. What a bad thing in a bad movie." And then you watch the scene, and you're like, "No, I get it. It's like she's completely blindsiding Javier Bardem. It's not complicated, mm. and the movie isn't subtle about it. She's throwing him off with her sexuality. <laughs> like that's that's all it is. Yeah, yeah." Here's the thing, though. This is one of those movies where it's so blunt. I'm like, I start going, "Am I missing something?" <laughs> it's 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 the it's it's something I like to call the Zack Snyder panic, where <laughs> I'm watching a movie and it's so like blunt about what it is that I start going like, "Is there like is this being subtle in a way I'm not picking up on?" Like it's the bluntness <laughs> is like a smokescreen for something, and it's like not really, but. <laughs> Because it is like, yeah, because she's literally a cheetah. Yeah. She is the cheetah. To the point where she has a tattoo of, like, cheetah print on her shoulder. Like, and the, what does the cheetah do? It cha- It's chasing that rabbit, but it plays with its prey, right? Yeah. It lets the prey tire itself out so it can swoop in, which is like how cats, you know, in general kill a lot, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that, yeah, that's what she does. <laughs> And I think there was just an apprehension of people being like they couldn't take her seriously as the sort of femme fatale type character, you know? Mm-hmm. Which I think is unfair to Cameron Diaz because I, th- I I do think she sells it, you know? Yeah. I'm just it's one of those where I'm just like it's such a strange character. I don't know. 
I don't know. <laughs> but it's... I don't think it's a bad performance. It's just odd. But it, it's one of those where I'm like, it's meant to be odd. So yeah, this whole movie's fucking odd. Do you remember the first scene they released to the public? No. It is... I forget if it's in the extended cut or if it's just a deleted scene. It's the lingerie sequence. Mm. Goes in to talk to Natalie Dormer from Game of Thrones. She does pop up in the movie uh, in regular scenes, too. Mm. But um, it's when Michael Fassbender is going to buy a lingerie. And, uh, you know, stilted Cormac McCarthy dialogue. Uh, feature, not a bug. Mm. Uh, but there's a point in the scene that they showed. And I will add it to this episode because you're not going to believe me if I explain it. I don't have much time. I want to get some things for a friend. Of course. Do you have tap Yeah, pants? I don't think the scenes Yes, we do. Yeah, no, we have okay. them in silicon and nylon. It also is like really bright. Five feet five mm-hmm. and size zero. So... It's a lingerie ad. in silk. Nope, it's, it's a scene from the film. Do you have chemise and silk that match? We do. Oh, well, these have a good hand to them. What's yeah. hand? It's what you're looking for when you're picking out suitings. Best material these days comes from Milan. And is how it folds, how it feels. <laughs> All right. How about a couple of pairs of garter belts in the same colors? Give it a second. You should wear stockings. I am wearing stockings. Those look like pantyhose to me. Well, they're not. How about those ears? <laughs> She doesn't wear brassiers. She sounds like a very interesting lady. How whoa, 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 whoa. Three days. Wait, you're watching? Three days whoa. Underwear for her? What? Gift wrap these. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? <laughs> what the fuck was that? What they get? They did they become psychic for a second? I um, you know, I've never been quite sure. Like I, I, I'm assuming it's supposed to be like, oh, now they've like they're they can get like the subtle like inflections of each other from this this one interaction, right? Like mm-hmm. that that like, oh, their actions speak louder than if they actually spoke. But we're gonna have them do voiceover for some reason. Yeah. And then, the, but then, like, I thought, I thought my phone was picking up a radio signal for a second. No, can it normally do that? <laughs> no, but like, I was like, the fuck is this? Like, it, yeah. that was a more logical step than assuming it was in the scene. <laughs> so that that was one of the first publicly released, um, like, promotion for the film. Mm. Um, so you can understand that people had a a strange reaction even to the lead up of the film. Yeah, but somehow the movie still got to fucking $71 million. Yep. With that. Um, had I seen that clip, I would not have taken my grandfather to see this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that is quite the image. Um, yeah. And, man, it was directed uh, a lot. Maybe that's why they picked it. <laughs> they were like, this is, really Scott's doing a lot with a little here. <laughs> <laughs> This is Ridley um, Scott's Oscar. <laughs> oh boy. Uh 
Yeah, he hasn't had one of those in contention for a while. Although House of Gucci got a lot of acclaim. All right, all right, don't look it up. What? All right, this movie was nominated for two awards. Just two. Two separate awards ceremonies. At the Academy? No, no, no. Two completely unrelated uh, award ceremonies. Okay. Do you, can you have any guess? Well, one of them's got to be the Razzies. Nope. No. Okay. I mean, unless they're I not mean, listing it, because like, I'm okay. just looking at accolades. I mean, I'm glad, because fuck the Razzies, I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. Just they don't matter. Them. They're not yeah. real. They're, so. Yeah. The fucking hackneyed mm. bullshit. Um, a Golden Globe? Nope. Critics' Choice? Um, close, but you'll never, you'll probably never get, like, what specific Critics' Choice. Uh, the awesome. London Critics' Circle. Oh, okay. Gave it a Best Actor... British Actor of the Year, give to Michael Fassbender. So maybe that's like just like everything he did that year, which I don't know what the fuck else he was doing in 2014. Um, is that 12 Years a Slave? 2013 is 12 Years a Slave. Another yeah. movie he's not good in. Um, but uh, I think he's fine in it. He's not good in it. Um, but there's one other award. Dude, can you think of any other ceremony this movie might have been nominated for? Any other group? Just get the group. Uh, Venice Film Festival. From the MTV Movie Awards. Oh my god. It was god. nominated for Best WTF Moment. And it's the Cameron Diaz scene. Yeah, you know what? That, so that's now we know bad. why Cameron Diaz retired. <laughs> yeah. Briefly. Um. Well, she's good in it in spite of all that bullshit. Yeah. Um, I like most of the people in this. Um, most people are uh, good in this, and also Michael Fassbender's in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about Javier Bardem already. Yeah. Um, Penelope Cruz up. doesn't get, like, it feels like she's kind of gone under the radar. As yeah, where's she older. been? She's a good actress. Uh, she's great. Um, I'm also like I've been madly in love with her since I first saw her, but she was in the Three Five Five, which is one of the worst directed films ever made. Yeah, that's a movie that's like it, it feels like that movie was almost like a CIA operation to tank several people's careers at once. It does a little bit, uh, but she works with a uh, Pedro Almodovar a lot. Oh yeah, so she's, yeah, she's getting steady work with him, which okay. is good. You know what? I'm like he's, made in heaven. He's totally off my radar, so like I don't see a lot of his movies. Yeah, uh, so. she was also in Kenneth Branagh's Murder on the Orient Express, which I really like. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot that one. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's not as good as the Sunil Met one. No. I know. I'm not, not, I would never compare that. I'm just but, saying, I think it's fun. Um, hey, she's a good actress. I wish she was in more mainstream stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she yeah. was in Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. I, I know. I know. Um, I know. Which is a movie. <laughs> is it? Like, legally? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, honestly, it is. It's just not a good one. Mm. The next one's not a movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, at all. Yeah, but it has ghost sharks, so I'm gonna borderline give it a pass. Okay, that that, that one on Stranger Tide just has that like scene where uh, fucking uh, Jack Sparrow is like running around Parliament or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's like that's different. That's kind of fun. <laughs> like, yeah. And then once he leaves and it goes back to being a pirate movie, it's like okay, we're done here. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, well, it's yeah. directed by the most boring person ever. Yeah. So. 
guy like if you put a gun to his head and be like be interesting he couldn't do it <laughs> yeah um, how yeah, does he yeah. fucking get musicals? And sorry, sorry, because Hollywood director. doesn't know what to do with musicals anymore, and he just happens to make ones that make money. That's true. So they're like, I guess you know what you're doing. Yeah, and it's like, nope. Um, but yeah, she's fantastic. Uh, Brad Pitt is also in this, who no one has any negative feelings about right now. There is uh, that weird scene where them, him, and Michael Fassbender sit down, and they're like. No one better Google any accusations against us. <laughs> I mean, I mean, when they talk about that Bolito for a long period of time. Yeah, and in fact, if you really want to be safe about it, you should check out Google Brad Pitt allegations. Anyways, um, <laughs> that being said, he's pretty good in this movie. I, I there's a reason Brad Pitt Brad is Pitt. He's a here's good something actor. like regardless of what happens in the near future. <laughs> Brad Pitt is a great actor, unfortunately. Like, he has that movie star charisma. Yeah. Like, that means nothing about a hum- what he is as a human being. Yeah. It's which not could like be an anything. Accident. Which could be anything, is yeah, what I'm saying. it's not like saying. an accident that he became one yeah. of the biggest movie stars on the planet, you know? Yeah. It's not an accident, like, the way Jared Leto's career is an it's accident. It's not an accident like Michael Fassbender being, like, this leading man. No, like, he's not is... a movie star, though. He's a leading man that's different. He's that's inexplicably different. a leading man in a lot of big movies, though. Not really anymore. That's not anymore. Thank... Probably the only good thing Alien Covenant did oh my was, God. was end that run. But, no. um, but, hey. But you know what, Diego? I think you're right. Michael Fassbender is a scholar and a gentleman. <laughs> No, I didn't say that either. Um, yeah, maybe maybe give that one to Google too, just uh, for no reason in particular. Um, Rosie Perez. Rosie Perez this. is great. Oh, I need to shout out my boy Ruben Blades from Predator Two fame. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, Predator Two gang, where are you at? Um, he gives the monologue I gave. Yeah, the, he's the guy. The episode. Like, the one world where the bodies are buried is one world, and he talks yeah, for a long time. I do remember being in a theater so being like, what? <laughs> it's like, it kept going. Like, it's a long scene <laughs> of him being like, hey, here's some poetry. <laughs> like, Do you ever think about that, counselor? The counselor's like, clearly not. I'm calling you. And... Uh, um, I'm like groaning but I'm like yeah I do love this movie Mm. and it's it's just uh, strangeness I I also have to before we get into the stuff because we really should get into like the movie movie yeah we should talk about the plot Um, Natalie Dormer in that scene I just shared with you and the people listening she is in an actual scene that's in the movie yes yes Uh, and that's another actress who like she was in Game of Thrones at this. Like, she had just joined Game of Thrones. So yeah. Her popularity's blowing up. She's in The Hunger Games. She's in Rush. And then now her career's kind of fizzled She's out. A, she does the, mostly television stuff. Like, yeah, I which... think to me it's just such a shock. I, I, I don't know the quality of the stuff she's doing. Um, mm. Maybe it's fantastic and I just need to watch it. But, like, she did feel like she had a, a, a movie star presence that just mm. never got picked up on, in my opinion. Mm. But what do I know? All right, let's talk about this motion picture. I have no idea how to talk about this motion picture. Um, it opens with a motorcycle. And like goes, yes, it does. Past the camera, and then uh, 
then what happens? <laughs> and then we go. We, uh, this is the where I'm describing the uh, unrated extended cut. By the way, I think some yes. of this stuff is in a different order in the uh, in the other cut, <laughs> in the theatrical yeah. cut. Also, uh, hey, I, I'm pretty talk about, sure it opens uh, the same way. Really quick, I just want to say that. What was that? I think it does open the same way. Okay. In the, the regular cut. Okay. Um. Do we want to talk about, though, that the uh, Ridley Scott's failed attempt to adapt Blood Meridian? Oh, yeah, which is probably how, what led him to this. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did anything else, could anything else have led to it? Um, and what do you think about, could Ridley Scott have done Blood Meridian? Like, I don't know. If he has the energy he has now, post-counselor, yes. Mm-hmm. I don't think he could have done it. Prior, I think he had to fail at adapting it to bring this energy to the counselor. Because I think I can sense a lot of like artistic frustrations in it. And like, you know, you mentioned that like he was going through the motions with a couple movies in the late 2000s. And it definitely feels like that. And here he's like, well, fuck, I'll fucking show you. I'll fucking show you all. I'm the guy, I'm the motherfucker that made Alien and Blade Runner. You know, it's like, like he's never made anything like this since. The closest thing is Alien Covenant, and stylistically, it's not even close, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, although I do love Alien Covenant, it's just thematically as hateful. But, <laughs> it's um, very hateful. Yes, yeah, one of the most hateful um, movies ever made. But um, Tommy Lee Jones almost did an adaptation, apparently. Whoa! In, like, what? This is before Ridley Scott. Tommy Lee Jones eventually goes on to do uh, the Sunset Limited, um, the TV movie. Mm. Um, which, uh, you know, that's like a stage play, so it's like a one-set thing. Have you seen that? No, I have not, no. That's literally just, it's just him and, uh, it's Sam Jackson. And they're going back and forth, basically. Um, it's a good, it's a good one. It's a good one. Check it out. Also bleak. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm noticing a through line with Cormac <laughs> McCarthy works. It's just they're all miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's insanely nihilistic and fatalistic. Like... Um, his stuff is so grim where like sometimes it's a little too much even for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I'm not like, I'm not like a fan of the road. Like the road goes a little too far for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but also that book is like so carefully designed to be as bleak as fucking possible. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, Hey, remember when James Franco almost did an adaptation of Blood Meridian? Yeah. Um, he was uh, talked into no. it by Andrew Dominic, apparently. Oh my god. Who is now like a guy who's gone from being like, he's one of my guys to be like, never come near me ever again. Because yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I love his first three movies. And then it's like, oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. I, to date, have not seen Blonde still. Yeah. Um, you'll be the one fucker that change. likes it. You'll be the, no, you'll some like, people do like it. You'll like Babylon too, probably. I mean, maybe. I no. like bad movie i like chazelle's other movies i just don't like worship them or anything you know yeah babylon's terrible but it's mainly because it's like it, it would be like if this movie had like you watched here's here's what babylon's like and this is what people aren't getting people are trying to say no one can handle babylon because everyone's too pure puritanical right now and that's not true the reason why babylon doesn't work is because imagine if you saw a version of the counselor where all the same shit that happened in it happened like beat for beat all these scenes happened but they left no impact on you. That's what Babylon's like. Hmm. So instead of Ridley Scott directing, it'd be like... It'd be like if James uh, Franco directed it. No, oh, no. I don't want that. 
Dave Franco did all. go on. He eventually did a uh, a Cormac McCarthy adaptation, right? Did he? He did Child of God. Oh, what? When yeah. the fuck did that happen? It's that weird period where James Franco does like two movies a year for like ten years. Like before the disaster artist comes out. Huh. Yeah, between all right, so between the release of the disaster artist um and the year two thousand five, he releases one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 12 movies. So that's almost one movie a year. And no wow. one has seen any of them. Jesus Christ. The only I one people saw... have seen is that weird Saturday Night Live documentary he did. Which one's that? It's just, it's basically just, uh, he just filmed a week of Saturday Night Live. Oh, okay. Where it's like, here's what goes into making Saturday Night Live. And it's like, yeah, there's like 50 books about that, James Franco. <laughs> <laughs> he, um... I saw that test footage he did for Blood Meridian. I forget if you recommended it to me or whatever. Mm. But I, I finally did watch it, and it's horrible. Mm. It's just horrible. I know we've <laughs> talked about it before. Yeah, okay. Well, there. that's that's what it is. It's it's terrible. Mm. Um, He's not a good director. No, uh, he's al- not. Although I, I did like the disaster artist at the time. Why Maybe, did anyone... Like, already... No offense, Diego, but like you do have that where you'll like, like a movie and then rewatch it and realize it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> it, happens. it happens. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Yeah, um, but not to me because I'm a genius. No. Uh, <laughs> of course, never. Of course, looking, never. Looking forward to rewatching the whale one of these days. <laughs> uh, but uh, that is that was one of those where like it was that movie was so dead on arrival for me, like the disaster artist specifically, mm-hmm. and because it really to me it missed the point of the fucking book. Which like wasn't shouldn't have been that hard to miss, and it was like he just wanted to make Ed Wood. It felt like, you know, mm-hmm. is that the vibe you got from that movie? Uh, yeah, but I I think I, I liked him doing it more so. If that yeah, but sense. like, have you read the Disaster Artist book? I have not. Which no. is actually a really good book. No, um, I, I have not. I should read it. And the 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 real thing you learn from that movie is that uh. Hollywood has become a place where you can just buy your way in if you have money. And that's exactly what Tommy Wiseau did. <laughs> and it worked. And now he gets to ride like this weird acclaim for being a bad director. Like it's it's this guy who like has no right to be there and he's there. And it's like an, mm-hmm. it's more an indictment of the whole industry, frankly. Oh, so naturally James Franco was like, this is an inspirational story. Yeah, that exactly. <laughs> like that's that's the it's the exact opposite of what the movie is. Um but, uh, yeah, what a bad movie. Mm. I hated that movie. <laughs> so, so I'll probably like it even more on rewatch, I mean, obviously. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? No. Maybe it's fine. No, Maybe but I just... I, I've not read the book, so the fact that that's, like, the case is, like, very strange. It'd be uh, like but... Blood Meridian having a good ending. <laughs> <laughs> um. We're going to give it back to the fans. Yeah, we're going to give Blood Meridian <laughs> back to the fans. <laughs> Um, all right, is Blood Meridian like truly unadaptable? Like, that was a question I posed to you before um, we started recording, or is it just like you could make a movie, but the movie's gonna gross like three dollars? I think that move or that book is uh, 
I think it, it is right now. I think the industry has to change. And well, no, no, we, no. we need like, dramas to come back a little no, bit. No, like ignoring the industry thing. Like, I don't care. <laughs> okay. I don't care. Like, it's, of, of course, you never know what movie's going to connect with people. Maybe there will be a time when Blood Meridian is going to play like gangbusters. <laughs> Maybe that time was specifically the weekend after Donald Trump was elected president. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm just saying, like, is when, because like, people talk about it being unadaptable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is it truly physically unadaptable? No, I don't think so anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. For I'll, I'll be honest for two reasons. One, because I thought Dune was unadaptable because I never fucking read it. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the Denny Villeneuve one. Mm-hmm. And while I don't think it's like the best movie ever, I was like, oh, you could totally make this work. Yeah. Um, and two... I, you know what? No, I was going to say with Ridley Scott. But no, no, someone else could make it. You do need this energy that's in the counselor, though. Mm-hmm. You need this fucking, like, psychotic shift in the elements of, like, the very act of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to make something that people are going to be kind of revolted by. Mm-hmm. And you need to be okay with that, you know? Uh, right now, and I, I don't know what other filmmakers might be okay with that. Yeah. But again, I, I do think it is possible uh, in the future now. Yeah, more than sh- ever. Now here's another one: Should it be adapted? Uh, I, I'd say yeah. I was like, No Country for Old Men is like an okay book, in my opinion, and the movie's better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So it's like one where like someone, like clearly the Coen brothers, could take that material and kind of turn it into their own thing, and they made a, a great movie out of it. Um, Cormac McCarthy has other novels that I feel similarly about but like Blood Meridian is one where I'm kind of like maybe it works best as a novel like I don't I don't see adapting something unless you can either make it better or make it its own thing you know yeah take uh, advantage of the medium you're playing in yeah you know like I, I brought up House of Leaves a bunch of times mm-hmm. and it's like you can make a fucking wild movie with that mm-hmm. use what that book did on the page like stylistically, and you'll know what I'm talking about if you. Although read it. now, again, like we made that joke about giving Blood Meridian back to the fans, but like, remember there was like a story from like a week ago about like The Last of Us wasn't going to have the fungus zombies in it or something. The TV show they weren't going to have the spores. Yeah. yeah, and people like freaked the fuck out over yeah. that, and I'm like, if that's what you're getting hung up on, like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like, that, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, no. Like, no, it doesn't. It could be good, it could be bad, like, ultimately. like, But you don't know until you see it. And sometimes there are stories where you have to make a radical change like that, you know? Yeah, and then, yeah. for no reason in particular that you brought that up, I'm thinking of, of a certain property that maybe didn't change anything stylistically in its, let's say, adaptation from a video game to live-action medium. And, uh, in fact, maybe got cinematically worse in the transition and is filmed like the worst episodes of The Walking Dead and might be just kind of boring, uh, even though the material has been proven to be interesting. More interesting than I even gave it credit for. I don't know. I haven't seen the Halo TV show yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's definitely the one. That's what I really went to the Halo games for. <laughs> the thrilling narrative of the Master Chief. Oh, Master Chief. 
That feels like a placeholder name, and then they were like, fuck it. (laughs) And they were like, see, we're putting you in the boots of the super soldier. And I was like, I don't know, but this is a 10 out of 10. (laughs) Like, that original game fucking holds up. A lot of them do. Never played it. They're they're fun. Yeah. Fun as fuck. They're on on my list. Yeah. Uh, Master Chief Blood Meridian. (laughs) Or no, who's the the guy who's going to do the Halo movie? Oh, shit. Maybe that's what what you do with Blood Meridian. You make it a video game? No. I mean, hey, that's a choice. But no. No. Blood Meridian in space. Oh, my God. You do, like, get fucking, what's his fuck? Um, get Paul Verhoeven out of retirement. Like, oh, you sold me. Yeah. You just sold me. And it's like, it's an ugly planet, a bug planet. It's Starship Troopers too, but it's actually Blood Meridian. All right. Who is Paul Verhoeven's Judge Holden? Oh, God. Yeah. Here's, that's another thing where it's like, who alive could play that role? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, James Franco wanted to cast himself as the judge. And that's, that's that is like, the worst thing I have ever heard in my yeah. entire life. Well, I mean, it's a it's a known fact now that James Franco is a horrible, creep, disgusting man. Um, but he was he also just no, had like here's, here's a, a huge ego. He wanted himself to be like the star of his vanity projects, and you know, an actual artist. Would understand that he is not the guy for that part. Apart no, but here's from how horrible that was. One time, a doctor came through the door and said, "Hey, one of your organs is collapsing, and we have to take it out." Here, James Franco as the judge is worse than that. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> like, really, that is one of those. Who could play Judge Holden? That is one of those like impossible casting choices. The Rock. he somehow looks like he doesn't fucking like jumanji (laughs) (laughs) how do you do do they just not even bother to make him pale like do they just leave no 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 you commit to the pale i i was that was joke that was a joke i think maybe there's something to that but you have to give it to like like Michael Bay. If we're doing the reunite. Paul Verhoeven like insane version, maybe. Yeah. Like... No, no, no. Because The Rock's best performance is in Pain and Gain. So the Rock's best performance is in a little movie called Southland Tales. Okay, you're right. Which there is you a, go. Which was a reunite him. <laughs> oh yeah, you know what? Fucking Richard Kelly's Blood Meridian. Yep. <laughs> is Richard yeah. Kelly coming back? What's he up to? He's doing something again. I forget what. He just announced it. Um... At like an anniversary screening of Southland Tales a while really? back. Yeah. I was typing his name in and I put Richard Jelly. <laughs> <laughs> this is really like cool like counterpart. Like guys really chill. <laughs> <laughs> a dude who didn't get booted out of Hollywood because he made weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, woo. Um, he was one of Richard Kelly's biggest defenders. Uh... Kevin Smith, right? Yep. Yeah, Kevin yeah. Smith like, loves Richard Kelly. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting. Um, Good hey. for him. Uh, remember the box? Another Cameron Diaz vehicle. I I kind of remember the box. I remember more... I think it was like an SNL parody or something like that. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, you know, you the premise of the box is that here is a box with a red button on it. If you push it, 
someone will die, but you'll get a million dollars or whatever, right? Mm. That's, yeah, that's the premise <laughs> of the box. That's the premise of the box. And then in the, the parody, it's like, if you push a button, someone in the world will die. And then the person presses the button <laughs> before they tell them they're going to get the money. <laughs> so they just do it. That is pretty funny. <laughs> SNL, you've done it again. <clears throat> For every five million terrible things SNL does, yeah. every once in a while, they have a very funny sketch. The funny thing about The Box is it's based on the Richard Matheson story, Button Button, which is like the same premise, basically. Mm-hmm. Except that's like, I think, like a 15-page story or something. <laughs> and it's been like ad- adapted. It's like, it was an episode of The Twilight Zone when The Twilight Zone came back in like the <laughs> 80s. And it's like, even that felt a little long. <laughs> and Richard Kelly made like a nearly two-hour movie <laughs> based oh, on amazing. it. Yeah, it's so <laughs> wild. Because the, the, the story is just, you know, oh, if you press this button, you get a million dollars, but someone, a complete stranger, will die. And mm-hmm. so like it's like, oh, do we press it? And finally, the woman decides to press it. And the guys come back and be like, okay, we're taking it. And they're like, well, what happens now? It's like, well, here's your million dollars. And don't worry. We're taking the the box, we're taking the button to someone you've never met before, implying mm. that you have to now hope that that person is a is a morally upstanding citizen. <laughs> but, uh, hey. <laughs> that's the whole story, and they made a movie out of it. Yeah, that's like a good short film idea. Yeah. Richard <laughs> Matheson is the king of that. Like, or was, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Rest in peace, fucking King Matheson um, shit. Although, and this does take us back to Ridley Scott, um, Richard Matheson's I Am Legend, which is my, my favorite book. Oh, yeah, was Ridley Scott going to do that at one point? He was going to do it yeah. with Arnold Schwarzenegger. That makes some sense. You know what? I'd fucking watch it. It would have been better than the fucking one we got. Is ultimately Will Smith is fantastic in it, but yes, he it is one of those sad. It's tragic where it's like if you announce like I am Legend Will Smith, I'm like I don't know, but he ends up being the good part, and it's the movie that isn't good. Yeah, the movie lets him down. He's that's a top five Will Smith for me, like mm-hmm. performance wise. Like he's really fantastic in yeah. it. Yeah. Um, apologies to uh, Francis Lawrence, a director I do actually like. That movie just doesn't work. Yeah. So Did keep a Goldsman right. Yeah, oh. keep a Goldsman wrote that. Yeah, that that's a fucking Achilles heel of it. Yeah. Who is still getting work apparently. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Although he hasn't written anything since The Dark Tower. He's doing like Star Trek shit, isn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Well, sorry Star Trek. I heard that new Strange New Worlds was good. You know who fucking hates Star Trek? Akiva Goldsmith? No, Cormac McCarthy. But... Oh, really? Well, Cormac McCarthy had that quote where he's like, if you think society can get better, you're a fucking idiot. Like, he, like, really resents the idea of, like, that people can better themselves. That, you know what, tragic, but makes a lot of sense. And it's like, yeah, it's, that seems what Cormac McCarthy's deal is. Yeah. You know, now, you know what's a real shame, though, is that whenever I say Cormac McCarthy now, I think Kevin McCarthy, the guy who's, like, failing upwards... In the fucking House of Representatives right now. Oh, yeah, that's a bad one. Yeah. Who probably hates humanity about as much as Cormac McCarthy. (laughs) The only (laughs) difference is he probably hates himself, too. (laughs) Um, Anyway, back to the first scene of this movie. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus. (laughs) 
Uh, it then transitions into a sex scene. Yeah, they're in the bed, and they're like, uh, it's all white. It's all Get white. Because it? it's like the it's purity like, of their love and shit. Like, yeah. Is that what that scene's about, though? Uh, I don't know, but he's going down on her, and people were like, I remember this, people were like freaking out about this scene. They were like, it's too much. And I was like, I, what? <laughs> like... The theatrical cut because they made it longer. <laughs> they the did make it cut. longer, but I remember it was like a, a point of controversy. It is a weird um, note to start on. I'll give them that. Like, it's well, a sure, weird. but like, I I guess. But this whole movie is just so fucking is this bizarre. That, like, weird, or because this seems to happen every now and then. Where like, there's that weird era of people being like, real men don't eat pussy or some shit. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, there's that, and then unfortunately, that is then also followed up by people being like. Like, like, tackling over each other like other dudes. Be like, nah, I totally eat pussy. Like, it turns into weird people, like, bragging about it. Yeah, yeah. They're like, I eat pussy, huh? Uh, Tell them. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like... But uh, it is a weird um, opening. I mostly have the quotes down, which is like, uh, where she's like, I want you to finger me, because that's the other thing she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, it's like she specifically has that line where it's like, "You've ruined me." Remember? Yeah. <laughs> and that's like literally what happens in the movie. So, um, yeah. And there's he's like, "How did you learn to do that?" And I'm like, "How? How did he learn to eat pussy? <laughs> like, it's not like it's no longer one of life's great mysteries." <laughs> and then he's like from nasty they said like a, like from a lot of nasty girls or something like that I've dated a lot of nasty girls mm. and then I'm like what <laughs> like I have nothing wrong with like the sexual nature of the scene it's the words around it that are the ones making me go like hold up now <laughs> like so Ryan Johnson has this thing when he's writing his screenplays where he like he he's said that he doesn't always Focus on the dialogue. He's getting all the pieces in place. He he's a big structure guy, um, which you know to his credit, <laughs> he, he very much is. Um, was uh, was Glass Onion an experiment to be like, what if I just left everything in? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> uh, and hey, I thought it worked. I, I I did too. People are weird about that movie, but yeah, I like they it. are. Um, they might be weird about that movie than this movie, frankly. Yeah. Um, and he says like the dialogue tends to come later and then you you know you workshop it and then sometimes on the day even like the dialogue can change and mm-hmm. anyone who's ever tried to make a movie before knows that everything you write down doesn't always work on the screen so makes sense right unless you're george yeah. lucas unless you're george lucas <laughs> yeah um, which is kind of the charm of his later stuff i would argue charm uh, is a word <laughs> and then cormac mccarthy is just like i'm gonna i have all these monologues about the human condition that I despise, I'm gonna have everyone say it. And Ridley Scott's like, all right, groovy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then puts it in the movie. Yeah, I mean, it does. I, it does feel like no one was allowed to deviate from the script, and maybe yeah. no one really wanted to. Maybe they're like, it's fucking Cormac McCarthy. Like, we can't challenge us. He's, the script says hunch over and make clicking noises, and Javier Bardem's like, got it. Like, <laughs> no questions asked. <laughs> Oh, Captain, my Captain! Like <laughs> I forgot, um, him and Penelope Cruz are married. I forgot that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they meet on that Woody Allen movie. Yep. <laughs> uh, 
There's probably weirder places to meet people, but that's a pretty weird one. You know, if there are weirder places to meet people, I don't know them. <laughs> Who am I to stand in the way of love? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then after that uh, the riveting sequence in the bed, um, it goes the counselor. <laughs> so, we get that before the title of the movie. Yeah. And then, they knew what they had. Yeah, and the audience at this point is like, what? <laughs> it almost feels like the first hour of this movie is trying to be like, it's trying to tell the audience, like, don't, like, you know, like, there's sometimes you want to recontextualize the audience and mm. be like, you're coming, you're thinking this is going to be a crime thriller, that's not what this movie's going to be. Yeah. And it feels like the whole first hour of the movie is dedicated to that. Yeah, yeah, and then... The back half is, like, just the pieces falling apart. Yep. Everyone suffers horribly. Yeah. Well, that's actually interesting. I have, like, all these notes. And then at a certain point, I just go, the the pieces fall apart. I literally wrote that down. And then, like, the movie ends. Like, like I have m- much less notes after that. Because then it's all, it's kind of like a fast run to the end, mm-hmm. except for the fucking one guy quoting poetry. Um. And hey, then there's cheetahs. Yeah. We see some cheetahs running around. Yeah, Cameron Diaz's cheetahs with Javier Bardem. And I can't so. tell if it's just Cameron Diaz's natural look or like if they've, I, they might have done something to her eyes. She does have like a very like cat's eye look. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I I, like, I think it's like the eye shadow. I'm, I'm yeah. looking at the scene right now too. Mm-hmm. Um, She's definitely and... style. I mean, the whole movie she is stylized to be the, the cat. She is the cheetah you know yeah uh, she's more cheetah like than fucking cheetah was in the wonder woman movie god damn it <laughs> oh my god she very obvious casting now having seen this but that would have been a good choice i think yeah maybe, maybe not like, for that movie not, but not like to, not to be a dick maybe like if they had done a wonder woman movie like in the early 2000s you know Mm-hmm. Like with like like at like peak Cameron Diaz because like that would be a good turn like when she's still like everyone loves her to like play a villain you know uh-huh. now it feels a little like okay Cameron Diaz you want to play a villain now <laughs> but hey she she does she does a job here she does the job yeah I I really do think she's great I think she's my favorite performance in the movie frankly um this I, I, this is not a movie I can judge the performances. <laughs> Because it is like, because it's one of those things where like, every time Javier Bardem's on screen, I'm like mesmerized. But like, can I call it a great performance? I really don't know. Because man, is he weird in this. Oh, he's so strange. Um, he's, he's like an alien trapped in a human's body. Yeah. Um, and then there's, uh, we, we, the cheetah stuff is intercut with, we see the truck early on too, right? Mm-hmm. And we're following the sewage truck, which has all the shit in it. And uh, we get a like, we get a scene of illegal immigrants crossing the border, like right around then too, um, which I guess is to remind us that the border exists. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, it is like all the interconnectedness of like crime survival. You know, because people come to America, this country, because it's been destabilized by the very country they're fleeing to for their own safety and. Mm-hmm hope for a better life and you know necessity and then you know how does, how does crime get started right how does like these vacuums of power 
they they tend to like form in communities mm. uh, where people have to like look after themselves, and you know the more money gets involved, the more heavy serious if stuff gets involved. If only there was like a really obvious metaphor to like make all that that point, you know. Like, <laughs> let me just say, like a sewage truck. That's like its whole point is that it just keeps getting passed around from each person, you know. That it's literally just shit getting taken from one place to the other. And submerged in shit is poison. <laughs> yeah, take that, Babylon. Yeah, you fucks. No, I, I haven't seen Babylon. I just know it opens with the elephant shitting or whatever. Yeah, shitting directly into the camera lens. Yeah, and so I thought about that, like, that reference that you and many other people made mm-hmm. when I was rewatching this for the podcast. I was like, oh, there you go. There's another one. <laughs> and just, like, I, I cannot, I want to get people to understand this about Babylon, which we're not here to talk about. We might be talking about it next year, but um, depending hey, on maybe where, I'll even love it too. Depending on how we're feeling about Brad Pitt a year from now, um, <laughs> but uh, I want you to understand how it feels to watch a movie where an elephant shits directly into the camera, and I mean like liquid shit. Like it is like this elephant ate something bad shit, and you're disgusted for about five seconds, and then it immediately wears off. I almost want to commend the film for, like, losing any sort of visceral reaction that quickly. Whereas this movie is, like, disgusting throughout, basically. <laughs> i trying to think what else. Um, oh, you know, I will also give people who don't like this movie a little bit of credit. Not just because, like, the structure is very strange. I mean, the scene-to-scene momentum is very strange. Mm. You open with uh, the truck shit, sex scene, more truck. Oh, no, not truck shit. Uh, motorcycle, excuse me. Mm. Sex scene, truck shit, border crossing, Cameron Diaz and Javier Bardem. Cheetahs. Cheetahs. Uh, and then... Cameron Diaz Amsterdam. says truth has no temperature. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you're in Amsterdam. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, hey, listen to this guy talk for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> After listening to Cameron Diaz talk for a long time. And then you're going to hear more people talk for a long time. And in every scene. And then the movie's like, specifically in Amsterdam, the movie's like, you understand the importance of, like, the Jews on the Iberian Peninsula, right? Like, everyone knows this stuff, right? <laughs> and then it's America, so no. Like, <laughs> and then it's like, okay, moving on. Which I believe that monologue was cut from the theatrical cut. Like I think so. A lot of these monologues were longer in the uh, extended cut, but they're they're still in the theatrical version. Um, yeah, the perfect diamonds. Light. There are no perfect diamonds, right? <laughs> right. 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 Diego? Yes. <laughs> yes. Did yes. you know that? Did you know there oh are no perfect God. diamonds? Um, and then we get a. Javier Bardem is also like he's the clicking man. <laughs> That's why I think of him now, and he 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 knows so much about women. He will not <laughs> stop talking about how much he knows about women. Like you, he is the Andrew Tate of his era. Oh my god! Just how much he knows about women. That's and... the worst thing you've ever said. <laughs> well, who's another guy? I don't even know. All the pickup pickup artists flame out really quickly. Yeah. Like, they're popular for, like, two minutes, and then, like, they're always accused of sexual assault, because, of course, and then it's like, and then they're gone. Because there was a guy from a few years ago, remember? Like, he had, like, a forum, and, like, he tried to, like, have, a, like, a meetup 
for like all his people and it was like a miserable failure. Thankfully, I have no idea who you're fucking talking about. I can't, I can't remember his name either, but like he's and he, he he's he was accused of assault because of course and uh his books are basically like here's how to assault women like they aren't pickup Jesus artist books. Christ. Yeah, yeah. Um he had a bit of a following. Um but you know, he's still a creep. Uh and at some point it came out that he baked bread. And he had to like release a video being like it's manly to bra- bake your own bread. <laughs> Because that, like, hurt his image more than anything else he had done up to that point. Oh, my God. And that was the last I heard about him. And it seems that, like, Andrew Tate has taken his thunder a little bit. Um, how much longer that lasts, who fucking knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, Andrew Tate might be one of those guys who just, like, disappears. Like, yeah. actually disappears. <laughs> one of these days. But, uh, yeah. Um, same shit, different assholes. <laughs> Kind of like, and that, that's truck. Javier Bardem. Bullshit. Yeah, that's Javier Bardem. Well, he talks. He knows women so much, Diego. Wouldn't you agree? Well, he definitely says he does a lot. Yeah. Did you and get that? wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't by the you end know? of the film, we discovered that he doesn't. He does. He did, doesn't women. at all. He doesn't understand women at all because he was being played the whole time. It's a real mind boggler. Even though, like, literally the scene where he's like, yeah, I understand women so much, man. I know women. I know what they want. They want X, Y, Z. I know women. And it's like, hey, what do these stock things mean? He's like, I don't know, but uh, Cameron Diaz does. <laughs> That's, like, the first scene. <laughs> so, hey, you know. It's like, see what women opposites attract, but they also like the same thing. Like, he says a bunch of contradictory shit. Like, <laughs> And it's like, okay, cool. It's like, and then the counselor's like, you are exactly the guy I want to go in on the deal with. <laughs> <laughs> I like the cut of this guy's jib. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Like, I, I Just talking to you over the phone, I, I, I wasn't sure. But finally, meeting you in person and, and seeing your, your home and your lifestyle, I get it. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you ever see someone who looks like Javier Bardem's character in this movie and you're mm-hmm. like... You know what? I like this guy. I'm going to go into business with this guy. I trust him. You, I'm not going to say you deserve everything that happens to you, <laughs> but I will say... You shouldn't be... You can't complain. You're probably the fucking person ever. You yeah, can't you, complain. You can't act like you were surprised when shit fell apart. Yeah, you, like, you should know better. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, I got to say, there was a time where I was like, like, if someone like Javier Bardem, like, let's say he wasn't in drugs, but, like, was a tech disruptor of some kind, right? And he was, like, on TV talking about, like, I'm gonna do Uber for fucking nuclear energy or some shit. Like, oh, my God. And was, like, on TV. And he's, like, and every day I hear some story about, like, the stock has tripled and he's, like, he's worth, like, he's the first trillionaire, right? Like, there's all these stories mm-hmm. about him. And, like, I'd be, like, looking at this guy, I don't trust him, but maybe there's something I'm not getting. And I want to say, like, the last, like... Two, three years, especially with, like, crypto collapsing, I've now learned to, like, nope, I'm going to trust my instincts from now on. (laughs) When I see dudes like that, if I start calling, maybe there's something I'm just not getting. It's like, nope, I was right. (laughs) It turned out I was right. It's, ugh. Ugh. Nah. 
Yeah. Speaking of ugh, <laughs> after that scene where uh, Michael Fassbender and Javier Bardem meet, do you know or do you remember the cut that happens into the next scene? I don't. Not not totally. No. Was it the sewage I, going into the truck? Like, there's no, a lot it's of a, it's sewage. a dude pissing off. The oh yeah, yeah. Of, of this like this desert landscape. Mm. It's like that's what we're dealing with with this movie. Yeah. That's also there's a weird comment about Arabs right before that. You remember that? No. <laughs> oh God. There's a line I, where it's like uh, he, he's talking about like all the Javier Bardem's talking about all the people he's doing business with, and he's like, and Fassman is like, um, are you gonna do business with them? And he's like, the Arabs, and he's like, no, because, and then it's like, why? He's like, they don't need your money. And it's like an ominous line, right? And then cut to the guy pissing. <laughs> Oh, that Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> oh, boy. He's got it all figured out. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, Cormac McCarthy does feel like that relative that, like, you only met, like, once or twice. And, like, every time he did, he said something deeply unsettling. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, like, you don't really, you don't even remember what the dude's face looks like, but you remember what they said. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I guess that's staying in my brain until I die. Like... <laughs> All I remember after that, I remember the pissing, now that you mentioned it, I do remember, that's when you get the guy being like, I eat dog food. Mm-hmm. Which is a sequence. That's yeah. the green That's the green hornet. Yes. You can tell by the green jacket. He wears a green jacket, but they don't call him the green hornet until after he dies. Mm. <laughs> Maybe there's a commentary there about how we don't value life and we don't even put a name to it until it's gone. Maybe it's just structured very weird. Or that too. That's a very that's <laughs> Maybe Cormac McCarthy, when he wrote, this guy's called the Green Hornet in his screenplay, didn't realize that uh, actors do not read the direction. <laughs> uh, well, I like to imagine that out of all the things that Cormac McCarthy just hates, he's like, no, but I like that Green Hornet show back in the day. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I just want I wanted to make a reference. Yeah, I just want to make a reference to that. It's the yeah. one time in his career where he's wanted to do that. Oh, yeah. That's what I think of. Um, and then we go to a restaurant. Um, and there's a cheat at the restaurant. I wonder what that could mean. Hey, this is the moment when he proposes to her. And uh, uh, fucking the counselor proposes to Penelope Cruz. It's like, ooh. I want to say it's sweet. The cheetah playing her game. <laughs> There's some dialogue choices in this movie. Um, yeah, and a lot of them are in the next scene. Yeah. Which is the weird uh, sexual tension between Cruz and Diaz. Yeah. Um, it's, is this movie anti-women? I guess we just got to get that out there. <sighs> I think maybe, but I, I, Cormac McCarthy is just like anti people. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. That's, it's like it's you just kind of hide like, behind that. Yeah, like, you know, where it's like if someone came at me with like a thesis about like why this movie specifically hates women, I'd be like, yeah, probably. You're probably right. You probably but are. But a lot of this movie is about how Cameron Diaz has power over everyone, specifically through her sexuality. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's her big weapon ultimately. Yeah, which could just be like Cormac McCarthy, like playing the tropes a little bit, but it's also, like, really, really strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, she fucks a car, goddammit. Yeah. <laughs> like, and she's hitting on Penelope Cruz, which is, like, 
Yeah, and again, it's like, you don't know what the fuck is happening unless you've seen the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know, like, this is Cameron Diaz, like, she's playing a game, you know? Like, this is her, she's keeping things spinning, right? Yeah. And instead, it's, it's you're just like, is this something? <laughs> like, that's, it, the first time viewing it is one of those movies where you're like, is this anything? Yeah. <laughs> Every scene is like that. <laughs> But also, like, the other thing that you're, like, you don't know what the movie's trying to do is that the counselor, every time he meets someone new, that, like, as part of this deal, they're like, are you sure you want to be doing this? And the counselor's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sure. And like, do you know that if you do this, you're going to, like, like, horrible shit's going to happen, right? Like, you know that, right? And the counselor's like, I don't think so, but I'm still going to do it. And then they're like, all right. And that happened, that scene happens, like, four times. <laughs> <laughs> And, then and the, you know, some some might say that that's like a little hackneyed screenwriting or whatever. If you've ever met men that are that confident, like it's they're they're just gonna do the stupidest shit. So I get it. I I totally get that, it. It totally works once you get into like how helpless the counselor is in the last act of this movie. Yeah, like just him like wandering around. We're like it's almost a black comedy at that point. You know? Yeah. Where it's like. When shit falls apart, and like Brad Pitt straight up is laughing at him, like mm-hmm. for his incompetence, and just being like, "Dude, I, everyone told you this would happen." <laughs> like, um, let's see what other. Do I have any other quotes down? Do you have any? Uh, no, yeah. not from this scene. I uh, it's it's a it is a like a good scene. I, I wrote say. that anytime they mention the word, whenever they said "world" in it, I wrote down. So, like, there's a line in that scene where, uh, um, uh, uh, Cruz goes, you think the world is strange? And Diaz goes, I meant yours. That? Get it? <laughs> Get it? Because she's like, I, she's like, she has hope. She's like the innocent, uh, fucking Cruz, his character. Yeah. So, of course, everything works out for her. Um, <laughs> it's it's so horrible. <laughs> it, and that like that scene, the ending of that scene, like with her being like, "You think the world is strange?" She says, "I meant yours." And we immediately cut to uh, um, the counselor being like, "I'm in." Like my back's against the wall, which I guess <laughs> is because of the engagement ring. Like he spent a shit ton of money on that. Mm-hmm. Is that that's what's happening? I that was my assumption. Where he's like, he's getting, he's either. He's doing it out of what he thinks is, or like that's his excuse that he loves her and he wants to like give her like the best life possible, or he's been like things have been working out too well for him, and he's just like fuck it, I'm untouchable. And obviously but he says he's something not. about his. He, he specifically says his back's against the wall at a certain point. Yeah, he does, but I don't. Uh, I, I don't know how true that is given the context of the film. <laughs> Like, well, yeah, but also that is that thing of like people when they're like, you know, like when, when fucking suburban America's like, oh God, the economy's so bad, I'm in trouble. I won't be able to go on three vacations this year. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and, that type of mentality. That's yeah. all I'm to. Yeah. Like, maybe that, but he, I don't know if he's that kind of, I don't know, is the counselor evil or is he just like evil out of naivete? Like, I think, I think it's out of naivete. Like, I think that's the reason why his and Cruz's relationship actually, like, has some, like, meat on its bones to me. 
You know, like it's not like some epic swooning romance. It's not some great tragedy. It is a tragedy, but you know, like I, I think there is actually interesting material there where it's like there, he's in over his head. He doesn't recognize it. Here's the the life he could have had he not been involved with this stuff. Yeah, he should have just and, stayed be- in bed eating pussy. Like, yeah, I mean, hey, be happy like, with your lot in life. <laughs> yeah, if if that's a boring day for you, yeah. <laughs> I, I, like what are you what are you doing in this movie like, maybe maybe you know what there is another deleted scene where like he was like totally cool with that but then he watched a video on his phone that said that uh only beta males eat pussy so that's yeah. what spurred on everything <laughs> <laughs> um what a wild movie <laughs> yeah yeah um let, let's see what what other big notes do we well he, meet, he meets brad pitt um, and Brad Pitt basically gives a speech where he's like, he's talking to him. He's, he does the thing where it's like, are you sure you want to get involved in this? Like he does a lot more of that. Yeah. Um, oh, and the Belito thing's already been set up, but that was set up by Javier Bardem mm-hmm. where he, he gives that whole fucking speech. Um, and, uh, Brad Pitt's going on and, on and he's like, you'd be surprised the type of people in this business, which is kind of the movie's other point about like, just like everyone at every level of the drug trade is like kind of culpable for this horrific shit happening right yeah that the, and, the, and the counselor is like you know he's a guy who believes like hey i'm just the counselor i i'm not the guy fucking cut people's heads off and shit right <laughs> like so that has nothing to do with me he's you know he's in denial about all that uh and brad pitt's like you're an idiot yeah <laughs> um and he basically it's so funny like uh the counselor even calls him out where he's like this is a like this is a hell of a thing to say to someone you're trying to go in on a deal with, <laughs> and he's like, "Well, I'm just speaking the truth, man." <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and he just he basically just seems to be saying, "Don't do it." And he also he talks about uh, like, what do there's also companies like, what do people who have all the money in the world with no sense of moral compass do? And his conclusion is they basically torture women to death, right? Mm-hmm. That's what he throws out there is like one of the things they do, uh, which is the first time that element is brought up. Wonder if that'll come back. <laughs> um, and then uh, a very confusing jump. We meet uh, Rosie Perez in prison. Um, I'm honestly still kind of confused on this one. Like what's happening here? And how does well, he's he fit counseling her. He's the counselor, but he's, like, appointed to her, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they have no prior relationship. Yes. And she just happens to be connected to the the Green Hornet just happens to be her son. Mm-hmm. And that's what leads to everything falling apart, right? It just happens yeah. to be the kid who's the central figure in the deal that's about to go down. Why do you think that is? Because God wills it. Yeah, I think it's just like some cosmic nihilism. I guess. You know? I don't I don't think it, it fits neatly into like a... I think Cormac McCarthy is just like the universe is going to kill all of us. There are human systems in play, which is like the drugs trade and stuff like that. And then there's like the cosmic sense of it where it's just like you're going to get fucked by the world. I just don't... I don't understand why this element is so... feels so detached from everything. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because for a movie that's very bizarre and you and I are talking about it like it's an elemental, like, psychosis, <laughs> um, um, that part is genuinely, like, 
it, it has to be cosmically evil. Yeah. Like, it, like uh, to fit into this movie. Like, the, the chances of that happening are not logical. Mm-hmm. Or are they so illogical that it becomes logical? I mean, what's logical and illogical doesn't matter to me, really. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. It I'm just not, I'm feels not saying... like there is a cleaner version of the movie where, like, Brad Pitt or someone is like, okay, we'll go on to the steel. By the way, could you help me out with this or something, right? Mm-hmm. That like from Brad Pitt we get to Rosie Perez, and now like I said, Cormac McCarthy could be making a point about like the randomness of it, like that this is just a tragic kind of universe coincidence that leads to everything. That's mm-hmm. a comment later where like they're like these guys don't believe in coincidences, which is what this is, right? Yeah. So like that could be it, but it, it it's it's a little sweaty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a little uh hey. <laughs> But what are you going to do? Uh, just dance around like Javier Bardem. Mm-hmm. Not talk like him, though. Very important <laughs> that you don't talk like him. I'm going to have to try not to because I like doing Javier Bardem's voice, unfortunately. Oh, God, he's What a fucking great actor, huh? I know, he's good. God, what the fuck is he up to lately? That's that's my question now. Yeah, he was, well, he's in Dune. Oh, yeah, duh! I'm the one that liked it. End, and he's good in it. Um... He's an ambassador for Greenpeace. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, good for him. The protection of Antarctica. Oh, um, good for him. Uh, Unless there's something I don't know about Greenpeace. In which oh, yeah, he was in now. Mother. Oh. He was him. You know what he was in recently? <laughs> I totally fucking forgot. I didn't what? see it. Being the Ricardos. Oh, Desi yeah. Arnaz. You know what? Hey, <laughs> Here's something kind of, kind of hysterical. Um, we had a conversation last week about, like, we have to find another, like, we should think of another movie to add to the retrospective, right? Mm. Like, what are some, like, obvious failed awards contenders from the last few years? <laughs> and we even hit on Aaron Sorkin. We were even like, we should do something Sorkin-related. Neither one of us even mentioned being the Ricardos. <laughs> It didn't come up at all. <laughs> I know. We were looking at his filmography and stuff like that, and I was like, nah, I don't see anything else Yeah, there. we were like, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, Steve Jobs, but that was a while ago. <laughs> I didn't want to watch The Trial of Chicago 7. because Yeah, we were like, that was what we hit on. We were both like, Trial of Chicago 7, but like neither of us wanted to watch it. So, yeah. like, but like not a one brought up being the Ricardos. And I just think it's fucking hysterical. Like, Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz was a choice that Aaron Sorkin apparently fought hard for. And immediately everyone was like, what are you thinking? Yeah, it was one of those, like, no. Lucy, you have some explaining to do. (laughs) (laughs) He should have just shown up looking like Anton Chigurh. No, he should have shown up looking like his character from this movie. Or Skyfall, just anything. (laughs) (laughs) You know, every scene, it should have been a different Javier Bardem character. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. That's, That's the move right there. Because including Armando Salazar from Dead Men Tell No Tales. Oh God, I forgot about that. He was the bad guy in that one. Yeah, that remember remember when it was like this was peak like uh, Johnny Depp's got some stuff swirling around him, mm-hmm. so like they can't even really use him in the advertisement. So the first trailer had no Johnny Depp in it. It just yeah. had Javier Bardem. <laughs> I was like, can you give him this message? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, what a what a film that exists. Yeah, killed the franchise. <laughs> nope, it made money. No, no, no. But um, apart from the uh, swirlings around that certain <laughs> actor, uh, which were in the water for like a decade before, but whatever. <laughs> um, that movie did like it, it caused the company to lose interest in pursuing that that property for a while. What well, is one of those things where like I think they have to give Johnny Depp like a country if they want to do another movie, right? Yeah. Like the like well, in the contract. That and uh maybe his insurance fees are a little pricey. <laughs> yeah, that's some that seems to be one of those things that like it, if you want to go, is this actor bad, maybe start looking into like if those sorts of insurance things are being taken out. Mm-hmm. on them because it's like that thing where like Kevin Spacey had that in his contract like when he signed mm-hmm. up for House of Cards and it's like I didn't know that holy yeah. shit yeah like the beginning of House of Cards oh my god so like it was a thing known and it seems to be like a recurring thing where like when people know this shit there's there's insurance claims taken mm-hmm. out and um, I, I brought this one up before too but also keep track of when people are dropped by uh, their agencies yeah, their agencies. Their agencies um, don't drop people if they're just having like studio bombs. You'll hmm. be dropped for other reasons. Yeah. I, 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 like the names of those reasons hmm. are perhaps um, legal terms. So just uh, keep that in mind if you ever and see someone into, like, why were they dropped by their agency? That and look into why. who their publicist is and if that has changed recently. Because mm-hmm. that's also a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so. Just, just gonna throw those things out there. Unlike yeah. Ridley Scott, who's never done anything wrong. Yeah. This just here's the pull quote from uh, Exodus: Gods and Kings. No, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ridley Scott feels like Ridley Scott has said some dumb shit, but I don't know if there's anything bad about Ridley Scott out there. Oh, no, 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 I mean, I, like I a maniac, that. especially when he was younger. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like, mean, a, a story apparently the like dude yelling at Sigourney <laughs> Weaver and shit. Like, oh no, I don't know that. Well, yeah, there's one, there's one, uh, she, it's in the documentary that they're all interviewed for, so clearly they were okay talking about it, and mm. they seem chill now, and she worked with him on Exodus, Gods and Kings. Yeah, they, oh. they're still, um, I mean, I don't know how close, but, like, they, they've worked together, and yeah. they, um. They but she touch. said, like, he yelled at her, like, she, he's, like, snapped on her after one take, and, like, she started crying. Oh, Jesus. And said that she had to apologize. The other story is that Yafet Koto was apparently, like, really intense on that set. I heard that like, one. He yeah. was one of those, like, he's, like, in character all the time. Um, yeah, and he was, like, pushing her to get to a point. And it's like, yeah, that's that's good, but that's not your job. Uh, maybe uh, she's a younger actress. This is her first big role. Maybe maybe don't pressure her that way. Maybe that's the direct, director's job, and maybe even he shouldn't push her to that limit. <laughs> so... Yafet Koto, another guy who, like, just stopped at one point, and I was wondering what that was about, and then I went to his Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I did not realize that he endorsed Donald Trump in 2016 and 2020, Yeah, but also expressed support for both Black Lives Matter and QAnon. <laughs> and, and this is This is from Wikipedia, which is, like, Wikipedia's goal is to be, like, as objective as possible. <laughs> <laughs> it says he also expressed support for Black Lives Matter and QAnon, despite their convicting views and conflicts between both groups. What's the... <laughs> I forget the, the it's always sunny quote like I'm playing both sides, so I always come out on top. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know who knows that could 
you never know. Yavakoto, how old was he? He was in eighty one. Yeah, he was eighty one. You know, people get weird when they get old sometimes. Mm-hmm. Let's remember the good times. Yeah. Uh, like he, Midnight he was, Run and the Running He was man. almost Captain Picard on Star Trek. Whoa. He was the runner up. That's not a bad choice. Not I know you said choice. some like unfortunate things about his yeah. real life self, but in terms of acting, not mm. a bad choice. Not a bad choice. Um, oh, he he voiced Parker in Alien Isolation. Yeah, they brought back the original cast. For I didn't know that. I didn't know he voiced it. I thought that he just uh, they just used archival audio. No, they had him like redo certain lines and then do like new lines. It's like a okay. mini section of like downloadable well, content. We have something you had to like download it, right? Like it was. A, yeah. yeah, I think it's free now, but I, it did cost like ten dollars back in the day or something. Yeah. I mean, hey. Yeah. Uh, uh, great game. They should have made a sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Diego, it only made like a million dollars. Games need to make $17 billion. Oh, well. There, were, there well, weren't we enough that. ways to rip off the general public with it. That is basically why they never followed up. That's what that. they said. Like, yeah. And you think Cormac McCarthy's bleak. Yeah, no. <laughs> on the video game industry. God damn it! So I, I'm gonna get back into streaming the 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 thing video game because I mm-hmm. I want to finish it and then I promised the American people that I would play Resident Evil Eight over Twitch. That's the only way I'd play it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm gonna. I'm do sure that. you'll be cool and chill about it. I'm I'm sure I'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I really want to play Alien Isolation again. Maybe I'll add that to the list. Yeah, that was a good game. They should do a a, a game adaptation of The Counselor. But like, but it'll be like the setup for Alien Isolation, where it's like generally the same premise as the movie. No, it's, but it's, it, it's the lead character's daughter, or I guess it'd be the son, the counselor's son. No, know? it could just be the counselor, but it's like he's just in Mexico now, waiting. <laughs> That's the whole game. Like oh, nothing, no. nothing happens. No, no. Every person you meet is giving you like a fucking thesis monologue oh, about yeah. the nature of existence and the systems outside of our control. And you call up a drug dealer and they're like, a Rolling Stone gathers no moss. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? And then they hang up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if we need to really go in on the plot other than, hey, this deal that everyone says might fall apart falls apart and then shit goes bad. Yeah, and then it, it, it becomes even more violent. Mm-hmm. And then it gets more violent than you thought it would get. And, um... I don't know if that happens. Uh, well, it, gruesome. It's Can a I Cormac McCarthy, at, uh, you know, I, his name's on it. I know it's going to get violent. Mm-hmm. So, now, how... Ble- it's more the bleakness that, like, even though Cormac McCarthy is known for that, you never really know if the movies are going to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one fucking sure does go there. Yes, it does. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, the Green Hornet gets killed, this blows back on Fassbender, and Brad Pitt's, like, basically laughing at him, being like, you're fucked, and, like, continues that way for most of it, and there's, like, basically a point that where he's like, yep, I'm leaving in an hour, and, like, Brad, Brad Pitt's like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you should have been gone, like, three days ago, <laughs> like, and, uh, Javier Bardem gets killed when they attempt to kidnap him, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a shootout <laughs> that kind of just happens in the middle of it. Like, I know why it happens, but it, it, it was also like, we didn't even need to see it, really. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, 
uh, Cruz gets kidnapped, uh, and then uh, the counselor makes his way to Mexico. And uh, it's basically just watching him just, like, waiting for, like, an absolution, basically, mm-hmm. that never comes. <laughs> and uh, it's it's dark and depressing. <laughs> Uh, I want to talk about the Green Hornet death because I, I mentioned the decapitation thing, which is like it's. I was in a weird way like hyping it up because it's like really impressive technically how they did it. It is like incredibly unsettling, and the coldness with which it's done is really unsettling with the wire man. Yeah, like, well, that's a lot of these scenes in this movie where like there's a lot of dudes. I mean, later when like Dean Norris comes into the movie and he's just kind of like. Oh, there's a body in there. Can I see it? Like he's just kind of like really chill about it. Like, yeah. It, uh, there's it, two it, things that happen with this one scene though that hmm. are just so weirdly contrasting. Um, so the wire man like shakes the head out of the helmet, which is maybe hmm. the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, and then Rosie Perez wakes up after her son is decapitated. Hmm. It's like that's the the, the cosmicness yeah. of it all, um, which I don't. You hear people talk about you, cro- you, you, you went over one of the more fucked up moments for me, anyway. <laughs> okay. Which that's happens what's... before the decapitation. Which is when that guy just goes to, like, a dealership and, like, just starts measuring that motorcycle. Oh, yeah. And it's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is, that is one of those, like, you know, one of those things where, like, if you're... Like, you've had jobs, though, where, like, you've had a weird moment, right? With, like, a complete stranger. Oh, my God, yeah. And then you're like... I can't really think of what that was about, but I feel like any answer would be bad, so I'm just not going to pursue it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, like, sometimes you don't need to know things. This is, uh, I was coming back from uh, one of the first jobs I ever worked at on the bus. This is before I owned a car. Mm -hmm. And uh, this wasn't job-related, but it's just, I was on a bus coming home through a warehouse district, and someone walked onto the bus in what looked like a hazmat suit without a helmet. (laughs) Okay, and uh, he looked unwell. I'm not making fun of him. I don't know what the deal was, right? Uh huh. But he kept scratching his head, and he kept like sniffing and looking around, and he kept like look like looking back behind the bus, not at the back of the bus, but like out the windows and stuff like that. And then he was like, "You know what? Can you let me out here?" Yeah, I just need to get out here. And then he just left. Mm. It was the strangest thirty seconds of my entire life. One time. So, um... <laughs> I've got, I've got one that's, like, just, it, there's nothing, like, that unsettling. Like, that's pretty fucking unsettling. But it is one where I have no idea what is, what it's connected to. Um, I used to have to take a bus when I lived in Syracuse, New York. Now, Syracuse had one of the worst public transportation setups ever. I had a class at a community college at 2 p.m., and in order to make it, I had to take a bus that left at 9 a.m. This was my life for a few years. (laughs) Yeah, because I didn't have a car. I couldn't drive anywhere. I didn't have my license, so I needed to take a bus. Um, I get on the bus this morning. I'm like, and also like, it's really like my, the closest stop to me. Also, it's an hour hike to my stop. (laughs) That's the fucking worst. <laughs> yeah. So I have to walk there, um, and then it's the first stop for this whole thing. And then it's also, the place I'm going is the last stop. 
And yeah, it, it was it was a lot. So I get on the bus. I'm the only one. We drive around. We're going by other stops, but no one's there because who would be? It's a terrible system. Um, guy drives the bus into a parking lot um, over by a Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, parks the bus in the parking lot. Gets out of the bus. And I just see him walking in circles on a cell phone. For like 20 minutes, not and when I say on a cell phone, I do not mean like talking in it. He's like holding it in front of him and like looking around. This is the driver. <laughs> he does this for 20 minutes. Nothing substantial changes. He gets back on the bus and then everything continues like that didn't just happen. Well, that's... uh. That's the, the United States public transportation system. What assassination I just barely avoided getting involved in, I don't know. But um, Yeah, that was that was a time. Um That was yeah, of just yeah, it was, was like something. it was winter too, so like I'd have to walk an hour. Oh Jesus Christ. And like by the time I get back it's night, so I'm freezing to death and walking home. And uh, and then I finally got my license, but I didn't get approval to park at the college yet. And this, mm. this college was uh, at the top of a mountain. Not really a mountain, but it was a pretty big hill. Because, like, you know, that whole area, like, glaciers carved out all these hills and valleys around there. Uh-huh. So it's all fucked up looking. It was at the top of the hill. I parked in a um, <laughs> an apartment complex at the bottom of the hill. Froze to death basically walking up to the top of it. And then at the end of the day, when I had to walk back to my car, um, my whole car had like frozen solid. <laughs> Jesus. And I I was so cold, I couldn't touch the steering wheel for prolonged periods of time. I had no gloves either. And I'm like, so like to drive it, I would have to like grab it and like adjust the wheel slightly and then let go. <laughs> like it hurt too much to hold the wheel. And the car never warmed up by the time I got back, um, by the time I got home. And then the next day I had classes and I just went, fucking, I'm not going. <laughs> I, was, I was too fucked up from the night before. <laughs> you know so, what? I, be- I, I completely understand that. Shout out to Onondaga Community College. All right. It's actually a chill place, but uh, it wasn't worth any of that. <laughs> Um, that was my version of the council. <laughs> yeah. We all we all suffer in our own ways, buddy. Yeah, Ev- everyone has their counselor moments. Oh. Yeah. I'm gonna become the counselor. I'm gonna become the counselor. No, I am. I am most certainly not <laughs> going to become the counselor. <laughs> this is a pretty good movie where it's like someone goes like, "Hey, you can make all this money, but it involves getting in. You just have to get involved with the drug cartel slightly." It's like, okay, I'm good. Like, <laughs> That, that, that one, you know, there's no money you could offer. Yeah, you know, make... this this is the uh, in many ways the greatest dare campaign movie ever made. Yeah, kinda, honestly. Just <laughs> maybe not what Cormac McCarthy ever wanted to hear, but uh Didn't it dare is. actually lead to an increase in drug use? Probably. You've That's one of those, those things lectures. you hear. Like it was one of those where like if you go around telling kids Everyone is doing drugs and will try to uh, 
they'll try to um you know peer pressure you turns out if you tell kids that they think drugs aren't that weird (laughs) which is also just not drugs like in the real world yeah (laughs) you come to understand this i will say apparently everyone does cocaine and i just fucking missed the memo until no cocaine is everywhere weed is everywhere yeah and then also if you you the the opposite of chill and if you live in certain parts of the country that i lived in um the opioid crisis was big for a bit but don't worry heroin replaced it oh good (laughs) (laughs) and see I have a fear of needles, so... <laughs> you ever think about that, like, the amount of drugs you haven't gotten into just because you're afraid of, like, injecting anything into yourself? Yeah, like... that's a little much for me. Yeah. That's why I... I'm also an anti No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That'd be a hell of a twist. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. It'd be bad. You get... When you get the vaccine, are you, like, are you, are you scared of that needle? No, I'm not really, like, because I know it's, like, for my benefit, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm not like, saying, are you afraid of the vaccine, but, like, that shot, are you, like... Oh, you know, and, like, like, the needles? Oh, I, I kind of tense up. Every yeah. doctor, every nurse always says, like, try not to tense up, and it's like, well, now I'm fucking tensing up. I know yeah, you gotta yeah. do your job, so I'm not gonna go off or anything like that, but, like, you know, maybe don't tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> Just surprise me next time. I only get like that with... I have to tell them when I do blood work, because I get blood work a lot, because all oh, my bullshit... And, um, I was basically like, uh, I, I get like really nervous for him, but I tell him like, I'm, I just let him know I'm not going to pass out. Cause some people will just straight up pass out if they see their own blood, you know? Yeah. And if you tell nurses that they're like, oh, okay. And then they're chill. <laughs> like if they see you nervous, they're just worried that you're going to be one of those people that fucking freaks out. Yeah. I so. think I've talked about it before, but I actually don't handle real life blood very well. Mm. Like, like I could do like a nosebleed. I could have, I, I used to get nosebleeds a lot. Um, Mm. and like, that's fine. But, uh, if I get like a serious cut, like somewhere else on my body, Mm. I'll be like, Oh, I don't love the look of that. (laughs) You know, Mm. um, I I want to hear a a great, uh, moment in Gringo family parenting. All right, let's do it. Um, when I was a kid, um, I was running around being a little goofball because that's what you do when you're a kid. And I slipped and I hit my face on the hardwood floor. Um, and I had hit. My front two teeth. I didn't knock them out, but I basically knocked them out without knocking them out. Like when oh. I go, to, when I went to the dentist, they were like, "I still had them in my mouth," but they were like, uh, "There is like all the nerves that connect them are like gone already. Like you hit them so hard, it basically tore out all those nerves." But oh, Jesus, I was like, "Okay," and I did. It didn't hurt that much, but it like hurt a little bit. And I reached my hand up to my mouth because you know that's what you do when you get hurt. You like feel it. I pull my hand away, and it is just covered in blood. And it's the most blood I've ever seen in my entire life, because I'm, like, seven. (laughs) And I start shrieking, because I've never seen that much blood. And I'm, like, uncontrollably shrieking. Um, My screams freak my younger sister out, who's, like, two years younger than me. And my dad comes up behind me and, like, grabs me. And is like, knock it off! <laughs> and then sees that I have blood all over my face. <laughs> so. And then he's like, oh. Like, you went from, god damn it, Matt, to oh. <laughs> so again, we all have our own struggles. Yeah. So yeah. the counselor should just shut the fuck up. Yeah, let's, let's, let's hit some big points and then I think we could start wrapping up. Because otherwise right, it's like... 
Who drops yeah. the whole like, oh, they're gonna send you a DVD thing? Because someone set that up, right? Like, who, yeah. Who, um, fuck, it's not Javier Bardem. It, it must have been Brad um, Pitt then. I, th- I think it's Brad Pitt because they're talking about like the abuse woman thing. I think that's yeah. Them. But it has to be like their second conversation, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone basically when, when has two conversations where they say basically the same thing they said in the first conversation. Yeah, it's when they're sitting down, and then it's when they're at like the the bar uh, uh, counter outside. Um, and that's when he shows him the green horn. He's like, have you heard of the green horn? Oh, the cartoon? No, the character or whatever? And then, um, yeah, it's those conversations right there, I think, is when they plant that seed. Uh, yeah, so it's a unfortunately we're gonna disturbing thing. send you a with the word hola written on it, right? Do they say the Ola thing? I know. I think so thing. because that's a big part of like that's part of the reveal. Like he opens up the the DVD case and flips it over. When he sees that, he knows what that means, mm. right? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, because it's not just him. Because if, if it was just a DVD, he would have freaked out the moment he saw he had a DVD. Mm-hmm. Unless he was like, "Oh, maybe it's a bare naked lady CD," and then it's like, <laughs> "Oh no." <laughs> but, um. Yeah. Uh, and the basic guy says, oh, cause he, he does the whole thing where it's like, yeah, people, they'll, they'll chop a lady's head off on film. It's a snuff film. And is also like, uh, some people pay to have the privilege of being in the video, right? Like to be the one to do it. And he basically was like, imagine how much that costs being like, this is how, this is the people you're going up against. This is how much power these people have. Like, so fucking take it seriously. And the counselor doesn't take it seriously. Um, yeah, Penelope Cruz gets kidnapped. Um, Diego, what do you have to say? Um, it's upsetting, and it's before she's brutally murdered. Which, thankfully, we don't actually see. Although we see the aftermath. It's still awful. Like it is. It, it's still fucking the worst thing ever. <clears throat> it, it, it really is viscerally disturbing. And, and there is something like, about uh I think not seeing it makes it worse honestly. Like I don't know if there's a good answer. I think it's just bad no, all no, around. No, here's, <laughs> here's something about like with violence in movies. Like cuz here's something Brad Pitt's head pops off at the end of this movie, right? Like Yeah. He gets he, he gets bolidoed. Like with Chekhov's mm. bolido goes off. <laughs> and um that is like that's it's it's pretty violent, but it's not like you're not sitting there being like, "Oh no, what is happening?" Right? Mm-hmm. Like, because I I think there's a disconnect when you watch an actor like Brad Pitt go through it, where you're like, "You're just an actor, dude." Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I understand that like everyone on board, everyone filming the scene knows what's happening, and that you're all gonna get craft services after you do this horrible sequence, right? Like, yeah. so like seeing Penelope Cruz go through it would have. It's weird. Like, for me, that would make it easier to digest. There's something much darker about the last we see of her is her getting kidnapped and thrown in the back of a van, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's one thing to get the DVD, and then there's the completely unnecessary shot of her fucking headless corpse being dumped into a landfill. Yeah, that's... Like, that is so much <sighs> darker than if they actually showed it. Like, that is horrific shit yeah like i i really don't have like a a better response or anything about that like it, it really is just one of the worst things you'll ever see and i i think the dvd is enough 
frankly. Yeah. I, I, I don't yeah. I don't think that one was But necessary. I think I think it wouldn't be a Ridley Scott film unless he showed that body. You know, we we're we're having like a ball talking about this and stuff like that. I I think that even for me is it is too much. Like that's mm. that's the worst. It is the worst thing ever. Mm. <laughs> you know, versus like the Brad Pitt scene, which is very well filmed and edited. Because mm. he's like, when that first jogger's like running past him, he's like, oh shit. You know, also, there's literally fight. a song on the soundtrack where like it's going like, I'm gonna fuck you yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the music is ridiculous in this scene. Yeah. Like, that feels like the kind of like House of Gucci style, like Hannibal Ridley Scott energy. Yeah. You know, it's a little heightened and shit like that. And then it fucking hits you with just that worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the Bolito scene. Well, yeah, the Bolito happens after her headless body, though, right? No, 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 it happens before. Does it? Yeah, it's the Bolito scene, okay. and then uh, we we catch up with the counselor, and then he gets the Ola. Okay, is that the last we see of the counselor? That is the last we see of the counselor, because okay. then it's it's Cameron Diaz uh, with her scene, and then she says, "I'm famished," and she says, uh, "You can sell diamonds on Mars." <laughs> What a fucking script! I mean, I, it, it could that could be thematically appropriate because it is like the what sets some of this in motion is him buying a diamond for his girl. You know, that's true. And, and it could just be like this is human nature. This is going to follow us anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like as long as people want diamonds, this sort of shit's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty th- pretty bleak, but oh, it's. Yeah, there's, um, that, there's that like other moment. Um, I always think of this because I think it's a brilliant scene. And since we'll never do this on the show, probably, um, but in No Country for Old Men, there's that scene where uh, Javier Bardem. This is spoilers for No Country for Old Men. If you haven't seen it, what the fuck are you doing listening to our podcast? You know, no, no, but, I do want to meet the person that's seen The Counselor, but not No Country yeah, for Old Men. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that would be insane. Uh, there's a scene where Javier Bardem's character ends up in that car accident, right? And, like, his arm gets all fucked up. Mm-hmm. And he meets those two kids. And he, like, gives them the money. And the kid, first kid's like, no, nah, I don't need your money. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to give you the shirt. Like, this is the right thing to do. And he's like, not take it. And he's like, you never saw me. I was already gone. And as he's leaving, you hear the two kids immediately start fighting over the money. Right? Uh-huh. Which is like, that's what that whole fucking movie was. Yeah. Like... It's just that's that's like Cormac McCarthy, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, yep, this is what this is what we do. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, goddamn, what a fucking movie! Wild shit. Yeah, both that movie and The Counselor. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't think The Counselor really stacks up to that one. No, no, no. But like that one is, is is like it just that was like a perfect storm of a fucking movie. Like yeah. Just the Coen brothers at the right time, right place, in the perfect cast, the perfect source material, which is like one of the few times the Coen brothers have actually like adapted something, you know? Mm-hmm. They've tried a few times and usually it doesn't come through. Yeah. But, um, and then Joel did Tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah, which I loved a lot. Yeah, it was, it was solid. Um, Denzel like, just, fucking just killing it. Yeah, like, Denzel he never gets a role like that. That was. Huh? That's what I loved out of that one. Denzel is just, but you know who's who almost not axe him off the screen. 
Even though they don't have a scene together. <laughs> Who? Steven Root as the porter. Oh my god, yeah. I didn't know he was in it, so I had a, a fucking... Yeah, same. I, I did not know. It was it, it was one of those things where it's like... I was enjoying it, but it's also like, you know, this can't really be a total uh, Coen Brothers project. They can't get, like, their character guys in this. And then it's like, nope, Steven Root. Like, yeah. uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, I should also mention that this film is in memory of Matt Baker and, and that was Tony something. Scott. You know what? I'm glad you brought it because I I forgot that like a big thing which might influence some of the tone of this movie is that Tony Scott died in the middle of production. Yeah, and like they had to, they stopped production for like a few weeks. I think mm-hmm. um, as a result, which is tragic. You know, like yeah, and. So, like, that might influence some of the bleakness of this movie. Yeah, and I, I think people underestimate uh, the legacy of Tony Scott. Even if people don't remember the name, people remember his movies. Mm-hmm. And people remember that a director uh, committed suicide in 2012. Because I, I forget what it was. We were talking about Top Gun or something with some family over dinner recently. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, well, the original director died, didn't he? And I was like, What? Like, how'd, yeah, how'd you know that? And they were like, yeah, I think that I read something in the papers back, like, uh, nine years ago or something, like 2009, he didn't he commit suicide. And I was like, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> wow. That's a surprise that normal people remember that. I guess it just, like, I don't know, something like that just stays with people. Um, I don't know how that, like, influenced Ridley Scott making this movie, of course, but it did, it did something. And mm-hmm. um, very sad. Very, very, very sad. And, uh. Uh, frankly, a strange movie to dedicate to someone you love, uh, but that's <laughs> yeah, out that of is his control. Now that you mention it, that is a weird uh, like. Hey, what are you gonna do? It kind of just. Yeah, I guess it's like a coincidence. What you know, you better die at the right fucking time. I guess. Yeah. You'll have like from some fucking nightmare shit, and then people are gonna be like, he had a weird relationship with his brother. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Like imagine Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 ends and then it's like in loving memory of mom and dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that would be, uh, you would be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the counselor. Would you recommend it? <laughs> Not really, but <laughs> I do think it's a good movie. Yeah. It is honestly, a hard one to recommend. It is a hard yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. This is really just, uh, I'll just keep it in my library. Um, if people are interested, check it out. If you're like, this is the most disgusting thing you've ever seen, I get it. Um, if you don't like it at the beginning, I promise you will not like it at the end. So Yeah, you'll know pretty quickly. You'll know pretty quickly if this is a movie for you. Yeah, you'll, uh, you'll know. Just trust the process. Um, yeah. trust, trust your instincts on this one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love it. It's... Uh, I feel gross talking about it at this point, frankly. But it's what it is. But hey, uh, Ridley Scott's Napoleon. Oh yeah, he's doing Napoleon this year. On the horizon. Double, f- double feature with uh that the classic nineteen twenties Napoleon. Oh yeah. Have you ever seen that one? Um that's a really long one, right? Yeah. yeah. Um it's you good. Seen, you ever see Waterloo? No. Abel Gantz, that's the name of the director who did it like five hours bbc did a great blu-ray release of it so go check it out everyone there's a 1970s movie called waterloo where rod steiger plays napoleon (laughs) (laughs) 
Would you recommend Waterloo? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, if you want an example of, like, you know what people will complain about movies not being accurate? Waterloo is kind of famous for how accurate it is, and it's, like, a boring-ass movie, so. <laughs> yeah. Peter Jackson says Waterloo ins- <laughs> inspired his future projects. Oh. Okay. Is he going to direct another movie? Um, damn. What is Peter Jackson going to do? I don't know. He's been doing documentaries after The Hobbit. Yeah. I think he, he Well, The he, Hobbit like straight up broke him, like y- Yeah. And and they did he had that thing where like he tried to get movies produced for a while and a lot of those fell apart and then the ones that did come together were like Mortal Engines, which also bombed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was that Failed guy blockbuster. who was, He also collects, like, vintage airplanes, and then a guy was, like, stealing them. What? <laughs> there was some big news story a little while back about, like, the guy who, like, was helping Peter Jackson buy, like, old airplanes, like, ended up, like, stealing a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking... That's the cosmic evil. Yeah. Hanging over all of this, so... Oh, yeah. Maybe Cormac McCarthy's got what, his finger on the pulse. What is the, the universe pulse. trying to tell Peter Jackson? <laughs> Make uh, another movie. Uh, don't collect airplanes. That's dumb. <laughs> also, also that. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever makes you happy, Pete. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd like to see him do another horror movie. Yeah. If he's got it in him, I don't know. I don't know his life. I think there's a thing that happens with some directors where when they make the big movie like Lord of the Rings, they cannot go back to making small movies. Because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of, you know, he, uh... The Lovely Bones is famous. Like, it's, like, this very quiet kind of meditative story about death, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, he blew it up into, like, this giant thing. <laughs> and it's, like, I guess that's just how he makes movies now, you know? Yeah. I'll give him a big splatterpunk movie. Yeah. Have him do his malignant, you know? Yeah, uh, who knows? Yeah. Um. All right. That's the counselor. The counselor. Sorry. Get counseled. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, it's got two counseled people starring in it. So. <laughs> all right. Let's see if we cancel the next week's movie. I'm gonna. I got the numbers ready to plug in on the little number generator. We we'll our next failed turn, war turn, contender. Turn. Tell us a lesson that we should learn. Okay, you're going to be happy. Nope. We're talking Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Fuck yeah, motherfucker. The failed retrospective. Thankfully, no canceled men at the heart of that film. Oh, yeah. That's one people just kind of ignore. <laughs> it, yeah, what, what, uh, what's the deal there? Or I guess we could save it for next It's week. Gary Oldman. I don't know, man. <laughs> like, he's Gary Oldman. How, he's like, he's 60... He was married to Uma Thurman. I forgot that. Oh, really? Yeah, for like two years. Oh. He's got a lot of like two-year marriages. Hmm. Wonder what that's about. He's on his fifth marriage currently. If you're married more times than James Cameron, I, th- I think you should. Yeah, uh... that is that is one of those, like... <laughs> yeah. t- that might be a, a red flag. <laughs> yeah. And even he's been married to the same person for like 20 years now, so... Yeah. Um, well, Gary Oldman returning from the JFK retrospective, <laughs> and will probably be making two appearances on the failed awards contenders. Is he? Let me see. Is he? Didn't we talk to put at another film last time? Is he in that one? I, if if 
if the one I'm thinking of is the correct one, he is the lead of that film. Oh, wait. No, I don't think so. What, what are you talking about? Do you want me to, you want me to say it? Or, yeah, yeah, you, you would say it. Say, and say you it. beep it? Yeah. Are we doing... Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> we are doing... Oh, my God. He's He is the... Yeah. Oh, fuck. I forgot. No, because you know why? Because you brought up the Sorkin thing and the, the other thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like we didn't settle on one for that, but that's why I was like, I was, I was thinking Sorkin. And I was like, no, he's not the lead in any yeah. of those. Yeah, that. Oh fuck, Gary Oldman retrospective. <laughs> fuck no. <laughs> no, no, because then that ties us to Kung Fu Panda too. Yeah. Fuck that. All right. <laughs> Have a good day, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Links to our stuff in the descriptions. You know Goodbye, how it goes. Thanks Judy for listening. Foster. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional. Goodbye. Oh shit, my recording won't stop. Nah, it's okay. Alright, it's still going. There.